0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about the Listener League, if... Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, RotoBaller.com. I'll be writing season-long and DFS content over there. If you like to sign up for the full season of MLB, you get season-long and DFS, all the tools, all the resources, everything you need. You—they already gave a you for fifty percent off. Use promo code Bubba, you get sixty percent off the season package. You—you you don't want to miss it. All the great content RotoBaller has to offer for season-long and daily fantasy sports, plus all the tools in all in one spot for 60% off with promo code Bubba. So go check that out. Also, go check out the Fantasy Black Book. I covered catchers and relief pitchers. Get you ready for your fantasy drafts coming up, all that great stuff. And last but not least, Listener League 2 has about four or five spots left in it. If you're interested in joining the Listener League, all you got to do is leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's as simple as that, and it'll get you in the league. It's on Fantrax 15-team roto format. But for now, Bents with Bubba, episode two fifty-four, Bubba in the Batflip twenty-seven, starting pitching preview part two. Enjoy. everybody to aid another edition of Bub and the Batflip episode 27 you are starting picture preview part 2 uh, we are going around 15 and beyond it's like toy story 6 it's going to be wild up in here uh, you can find me on twitter at pediatric and my co-host on this venture as always on twitter at batflip crazy toby how are we doing my friend
2: yeah bubba this is a, this is going to be it could potentially be a marathon uh, episode but i think we're we're, we're going to do our best to keep it reasonable there's quite yeah. a few pitchers that, we are, that we're looking at here. A lot of ones that are very interesting, and I think a lot of them that are not interesting whatsoever. So I'm excited to dive into these guys, because this is where it gets good. This is where, this you can where it gets mean... good.
1: When putting this list together, I was really wondering why people were drafting some people. So uh, it'll get interesting. Everyone's got their reasoning behind things. and This late in the draft, it's all about taking chances and seeing where things go. And, um, like, we went over, like, 54 or so, give or take, guys, on, on preview one. If we went over all of these, I think there's, like, 70-something on this one. So, Ooh. we're not going to go that deep. It's just the, the plain truth of it all. But there are some pretty relevant ones. So, we'll start with the first group, technically being drafted in round 15. But now, since we recorded last week, and moved into 14, Marcus Stroman and Jose Kitty, And the other round 15 players, Joe Musgrove and A.J. Puck. These guys are relevant. So what do you like out of this group?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the general trend as we get closer to March, especially with all of the top-end guys, you know, running into injuries. I mean, first it was Clevenger and Severino. Now Blake Snell has a little bit of a something-something in his elbow. So I think you're going to start to see some of the not more reliable, I mean, slightly more reliable, but guys who have a track record moving up a little bit in drafts. Of this group right here, I mean, Musgrove is my favorite. I'm a longtime Joe Musgrove supporter. Um, you know, last year was a little bit of a disappointment, but despite a little bit of a down year, he finished really strong. He had abdominal surgery in uh, the summer of 2019, and so he really was slow out of the gate. Like, he actually started quickly, but a lot of it was luck. Um, and then hitters started to catch up with what he was, what he was doing. But towards the end of the season, the velocity increased. He started using the curveball more, and he really just has an incredible uh, repertoire. The, the fastball is the one piece that is a little bit of the weak, the weakest link. But his curveball is good, his slider is good, his changeup is good. He's just it's just filthy. And Jeff Zimmerman has a little tool where you plug in how fast a fastball is for each pitcher, and like what the swinging strike rate is. And when Musgrove was at like 94, 95, that swinging strike rate was above 10% on, on his fastball. And so I think that's what you're kind of hoping for when you draft Musgrove. Right now, he's been averaging 94 in spring training, which I think is a pretty good sign. The only negative sign there is that he has some shoulder discomfort before this last start. He didn't pitch great, so not ideal. Um, we'll kind of see, and, and, and owners should definitely monitor that. Outside of Musgrove, I do like Urquidy and A.J. Puck. I think A.J. Puck limited innings, but I prefer him to Jesus Lazardo just because uh, of the price. He throws hard left side. He's tall. It's a tough delivery. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. I really like him if, you, you know, if you've got a really solid start to your rotation and you want to take a little bit of a high upside um, gamble and volume is a little bit less important. I like Puck a lot. Urquidy, I also like him. He's he's a little bit more middle of the road. You know, K-minus walk rate was pretty solid at 19%. I think the walk rate was pretty lucky. Um, If you look at him, he doesn't really have a a pitch that gets hitters to chase outside the zone a lot, and his fastball isn't very good. So he tends to get hit pretty hard um, when those off-speed pitches aren't there just because the fastball is so weak. But playing with the Astros, it's a great situation. He was lights out in the minor leagues and had a really – Strong opening there with the Astros, and then Stroman is a guy that I'm staying away from. I know a lot of people like the ERA, it's been fairly reasonable, but uh, the whip is what really gets you, I think. Um, at this point in the draft, I don't want any one three whip guys, and that's pretty much what Stroman has become you know, one two nine in 2016, one three one in 2017, one four eight in 2018, and one three one in 2019. He just gives up way too much contact, he's got a nice slider doesn't quite throw it enough that sinker is his bread and butter um he he limits home runs which is good but outside of that i'm not really i'm not really interested in what he's doing right here because because what i'm really looking for at this point in drafts is a reason to really believe that a guy can take a next step in this round and i feel like Strowman's kind of like he's like a a poor man's kyle Hendricks, except much much worse than kyle Hendricks.
1: i just want to clarify something for everybody looking at the adp right now um A lot of these guys have moved up. So this list was made on Sunday night, the 1st of March. So keep that in mind going back to February 17th. And there's a lot of guys that have moved in around 14 now. So Musgrove's in there, Puck's in there. Almost his whole group's in around 14 now. Uh, Or Kitty's jumped Marcus Stroman. So a lot of movers and shakers, like you mentioned, as guys get injured, it gets quite interesting. Stroman's a guy that I loved what I saw in the second half. He started striking out more guys, better pitch mix. Um, ratios are usually pretty good when it comes to Stroman uh, of late. Like even when he has his high ERA, his xFIPs rates he's he's been unlucky. Um, just doesn't strike out a lot of guys. I'm a big strikeout guy, but like I said, in the second half we saw a lot more from Marcus Stroman in the strikeout department. Um, but even you know Alex Chamberlain's uh, pitch leaderboard doesn't look strong. So Stroman's one of those guys. He's like a to me, he's a Kyle Hendricks light. Not great by any means, but uh, could could give you. Decent ratios, no strikeouts, riskier than Kyle Hendricks. If you need something like that later, sure. But it uh, doesn't have a ton of upside for me. And that defense in the uh, New York can be pretty sketchy behind him unless there's some massive improvements there. Uh, Urkitty's pretty fun. I like Urkitty. I'd rather have Josh James a few rounds earlier uh, because I think Josh James, on my mind, is the better pitcher and should keep the job longer. Then again, Urkitty probably does because he was actually in the rotation before Josh James was. I guess we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. But we saw our kid, he pitched really well in the postseason for the, the Astros last year. He's a fun play. is uh, probably the tough, top guy in this group, hoping the shoulder discomfort uh, is not an issue. As you talked about, that's kind of something to monitor. But he said that, then he went out and pitched just fine. Velocity's up to 94, 95. Come, he's come out and said that the new pitching philosophy in Pittsburgh, the new coaching staff and everything, they're using analytics, they're using tools. Um, kind of thing is the Astros did not trash cans, pitching tools. And um, that's going to be pretty (laughs) positive and and, and hopefully shows improvements because there's some other guys we're going to talk about, too with Keller and Archer. It's been like a theme of like my last four or five episodes, somewhere along the line. We talk about Pittsburgh Pirate pitching, which is terrifying to think about, but that's the world of late round fantasy picking. So I don't mind Musgrove at all. I'm a huge Keller guy. We talked about him. Oh, we'll talk about him next round. But uh, Musgrove's very interesting. He's moving up. A lot more chatter on him. And then 100% agree with what you said on Puck. James Anderson – I kind of turned me on to the idea you just hit it as well is, you know, Lazardo and Puck. Lazardo might might be the better pitcher, but they're really, really close, like two, like really, really close. But when it comes to drafting, like 100 picks apart, and they're both going to have similar innings limits, why not take Puck? It makes 100% sense. I took him in a a 12 teamer uh, a couple nights ago in a slow draft. First sheriff, Puck uh, got him much later than Lazardo. And both super good, probably going to throw about 120 to maybe 150 innings max. They're going to monitor monitoring, maybe six-man rotation, some opener stuff. But uh, you can get some fun with Puck. I think Musgrove's the guy I want more longevity here. But you got some upside guys in Kitty and Puck, which make it interesting if you need to kind of gamble a
2: little bit at this point in the draft for you. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be awesome if instead of, like, banging a trash can every time it was an off-speed pitch? Like that would be oppo- the op- Opponents just banged a trash can all the time <laughs> for, against the Astros? Like, that would you were saying, like, the tools and the and the trash can. I was thinking, like, what if teams just always bang the trash can whenever the Astros were out? That would be kind of fun.
1: I have a gut feeling that um, I remember I was a big-time Sacramento Kings fan back in the day. went to a lot of games up there. Oh, yeah. And they had the cowbells. I can imagine, like, cowbells and stuff being in the stands. Like, fans are going to bring stuff in. Like, think the, the Vuvuzelas or whatever, like in the Dominican. Mm-hmm.
2: They're going to have all kinds of noise things just to mess with them. It's going to be pretty amazing. For sure. Did you – were you? Uh, is that the Kings team with like uh, Jason Williams and Vladi and, David and Peja. Yeah, Chris yeah. Webber. That was some of my best moments in the history of sports. Came in um, uh, in those playoff runs in like the late '90s. Doug Christie. That was just yeah. a, that was just an incredible team to watch. Yeah,
1: it was awesome to watch. White chocolate was uh, something special. So that For was sure. a fun teams, and I don't know if Sacramento ever get it again. So oh, uh, yeah. enjoy it while you can. But well, round 16, this gets a little more interesting. you got Tanaka, Joe Erzakessi, Mitch Keller, who I just mentioned, Caleb Smith, who was up and down last year. Pretty sure we don't need to talk about Luis Severino because if we did this pod next week, he might be around like 21 as no one should be drafting him. I'm just going to throw it out there now, people. Um, you got Adrian Hauser, Griffin Canning, Dylan Bundy, a uh, very who's who of this region. What uh, stands out to you with, with this group of pitchers?
2: Yeah, I mean, for this group of pitchers, my guy is uh, for the whole offseason has been Dylan Bundy. I uh, really like Bundy moving out of uh, Camden yards and just away from the Orioles. He's just been there and it just seemed like there was history. Um, you could even see it towards like some of those last starts he had last season, you know, whether it was the attitude or whatnot, but he just seemed really frustrated. So a change of scenery is nice. I mean, he's got the, the wipeout slider, he's got a wipeout changeup. Like he's got two incredibly nasty. Pitches that he can use against righties and he can use against um, against lefties. The fastball has always been the issue, but towards the end of last year, he stopped throwing the four seam as much, and he started throwing the sinker more. And while neither is a good pitch, the sinker is slightly better, and it generates a lot more ground balls. And so at least guys aren't hitting the ball out of the ballpark when they connect with it. Um, they were hitting it on the ground more. It seemed to be working, so I'm interested to see what he um, what he does. I was hoping for maybe a little bit of a velo bump. His velocity is down to like 91. You know, He was all the way up at like 94, 95 when he first, you know, when he had all that prospect pedigree, but it's slowly gone down. I, I've seen in spring training, it's just been 90, 91 on the fastball. But I do think he can be effective. And I think the strikeouts will be there uh, regardless. We know that the Angels love to throw sliders. And so we're going to see a lot of that pitch. I think, and so I'm really um, I'm really excited about Bundy. I think the challenge with Bundy is just the price is skyrocketing. I've I've missed out on him a couple times. Not even trying to get too cute, like I think his ADP. It's now uh, you know if you look at the last week, it's two thirty. I was hoping to get him. I think at like two forty three, which would have been um, I want to say like maybe 10, 15 picks ahead of where he was going on average. And, you know, he was gone before I had a chance to to, to snag him in TGFBI. So if you're going to get Bundy, you're going to need to get him in the early 200s, I think, come March, if not even a little bit ahead of that. I mean, he is moving up uh, really quickly. He was on uh, Ryan Bloomfield's uh, bloom board for the fastest moving guys in drafts. Outside of that, I mean, with Tanaka, Tanaka, I don't mind because of the consistency. The ERA is a little bit of an issue, but the whip is solid. He's going to be pitching with the Yankees, so I think the wins should be readily available. Uh, the challenge with him is that the splitter kind of disappeared last year, and if you look at if you look at the pitch mix, like this, the splitter got a little bit better as the year progressed, but the strikeout rate never really rebounded. Like it never really got above twenty percent, you know, in the second half. The walks are low because he doesn't walk a ton of guys, so again, the WHIP is helpful. But um, you know, so he's just kind of a he's just kind of a guy at this point. Luquez just totally blah. He's just kind of average uses a ton of deception, but I don't know how long that he's going to be able to get by with that smoke and years, Mitch Keller. I know a lot of guys are really into Mitch Keller. He's been, his below down from where it was last year. So far in spring training, he's gotten knocked around. He really strikes me as kind of, um, uh, of, of a Nick Pavetta type. I just, I'm just not sure that the, uh, control, the command is good enough. Um, and from what I've heard from like, you know, Saris and on podcasts, the attitude is a little bit of an issue as well. So the good news is that it's a new regime, like you mentioned in Pittsburgh and they seem to be analog- analytically inclined. So hopefully that can help him out, but I'm, I'm out of, I'm out on Keller. I haven't had any shares uh, so far. Caleb Smith, he was doing really well before the injury, um, you know, he was not this, his same self afterwards. I have not been tracking him, but he's a guy who I feel like maybe he is not getting the love that he should from myself included. So I need to pay him a little bit more attention to how he's doing this spring, where the velocity's at, because he does have that, you know, the fastball has been decent, 10% swinging strike rate last year. And then he's got two other pitches with the changeup in the curve that are, uh, I think it's a curve, curve or slider, that are uh, 50% plus in terms of their swinging strike rate. So he definitely has an arsenal that that can be really good, and he was really good at times last year. So I think I need to dig in a little bit more on him. Hauser, you know, fastball dominant guy. You know, he did does have a thumb injury so far in spring training. I haven't been getting many, many shares, but I don't mind him. His CSW is much better than his swinging strike rate. Um, and again, the Brewers are pretty good at turning kind of, um, you know, not mediocre pitchers, but just like pitchers without pedigree into things. And so, uh, you know, they did that last year with him. He's definitely interesting. And then I think Griffin Canning, he was definitely interesting before the injury. I don't have any shares just because, you know, when a guy misses a bunch of time in the previous year towards the end of the season with elbow issues, it it just doesn't like elbow inflammation and stuff. I just don't feel great about it. So I don't have any shares. I would steer clear of him you know, generally speaking, maybe I saw somebody tweeting out and I think this is good. Like maybe as a, I think it was Chris blessing, like, you know, last pick in your, you know, 30, your 30th round pick in a 15 team draft, just to have in case he gets better by the time the season runs around and you kind of get him for free. But outside of that, I'm not really interested. Yeah. I don't usually
1: like the draft injured pitchers going into the draft. So uh, Griffin Canning right now is off off my list. He's a um, not quite Severino off the list, but he's pretty darn close to Severino off the list for me until something better comes out of the situation. Uh, Tanaka, you know, like you said, the wins will be there with the Yankees, but there's just so much contact that that he's given up. No, no real strikeout upside these days, so I'll be staying away there. Joey Lakessy is interesting. Um, he's another big contact guy, two pitch guy, but he's developing that third pitch. Like a little curveball. Right now, and if that thing becomes a little more interesting, he becomes a little more interesting. So I'm keeping my eye on him. If he drops, I kind of don't mind taking a chance. I'm just not really circling him. Uh, Mitch Keller is a guy I have a lot of. So this is kind of scary, but um, I, I do I do like the fact that a massive difference in his ERA and uh, xFIP in the uh, in the little bit of time he had last season. He put great in the minors. So it's just a matter of transitioning. He's 23 years old. Again, 713 ERA, 347 XFIP. But uh, in the minors, 356 ERA, 387 XFIP. Still uh, over 10Ks per nine in in the pros and in the minors. So I'll I'll take my chances on him figuring it out in the bigs. If not, I'll drop him at this point in the draft. But I like his upside on that staff with Musgrove and company to really turn it around. Uh, Caleb Smith is interesting, like you were saying massive fly ball guy that's his biggest problem when you look at caleb smith a um 36.4 percent fly ball percentage it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt quite a bit pitching to miami helps moving the fences in maybe not so much but he's a guy that we saw great things out of he got hurt didn't really get it back together like you said maybe healthy now we can see that caleb smith pre-injury compared to post-injury because you know last year almost 11 percent barrel rate for caleb smith which is uh, way, way worse than you expect from him. And it, and it really wasn't crazy because looking at Chamberlain's board, 10% deserved barrels, that's still way too high. So he's given up some, some big, solid contact and a lot of fly balls. He's got to work on that quite a bit. But interesting cause the big strikeout guy also can maybe uh change that a little bit. Uh, Dylan Buddy, I'm a big fan of, just like you said. Uh, there is a ton to like there with him. He seemed you know his, his ex-Wobas, ex Bacon's much better than his Woban, Bacon's is... He underachieved in strikeouts and walks and every every way that you could like Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard. Dylan Bundy looked great, so leaving and even in the second half in, in Baltimore last year, we talked about him on the show last year, and he thought I was crazy for bringing him up. Um, but he uh, he had a, a pretty good second half, especially outside of Camden Yards. Going to Anaheim to be really good, but like you also said. He's going to go up like crazy on draft boards. Uh, I saw Bloomfield's deal also, and and we're looking at uh, Bundy right now. Just in this last 14 days, his average is 238. He's gone as high as 182. So he's one that if you want him, you got to go get him. But I I really like him. I'd take him over Mitch Keller if I had a choice out of the two for sure. But uh, he's going to get real, real expensive real, real soon. And the last guy here, Adrian Hauser, is very – Interesting. Um, he's not a guy I've been circling a ton. I know he kind of had his hits and miss moments last year. I remember he was very cheap in DFS, was a nice streaming option because he wasn't like the most electric strikeout guy, but still a, almost a 20 over 25% strikeout rate in uh, with Milwaukee last year in his 111 innings, 372 ERA, 36X FIP. And then we look at the pitch leaderboard. I don't know if this is new or I missed it this whole time, but he got deserved ERA and then what if deserved ERA. And that's with Woe Bacon and, or ex Will Bacon instead of Woe Bacon. His what if ERA was 287. So that stood out to me like, huh, he's much better than I thought. Uh, Deserved barrels of 3.6, limits the contact, still gets you a, a pretty good strikeout rate. So Hauser could be an interesting one when everyone's talking Brandon Woodruff from Milwaukee. Freddie Peralta starting to get talked because he signed a big contract. We'll talk about him later. Hauser could be the guy that kind of slides in under the radar as a nice, sneaky, pick as like the fourth guy in that rotation and and the more i've uh, looked at him the last few days the more intriguing he gets to me so um i think in this whole group hauser is the most kind of under the radar upside one and then bundy and keller are the guys i'm looking at uh for round 16
2: yeah all right um yeah on hauser that 20 percent k-minus walk rate over his last 10 outings i remember towards the end of last year i mean he was only pitching four pitches four innings at a time i think but yeah, he was, he was good. Definitely an underrated guy. I think he's got some decent velo too. So um, yeah, good call there.
1: Yeah. And um, so as we go into round 17, Luis Severino's dropped all the way to around 17 already. So that just overnight has dropped down to 250. I can't wait to see how fast he gets to the bottom of the board. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, but around 17, we got Josh James. He's around 240 right now. Sandy Alcantara at 252. Griffin Canyon's also dropped down to, t- to round 17 now. Uh, you got John Gray at 253. Dustin Mays dropping quickly. He's down to 258, so he technically shouldn't even be here. And then Ryan Yarborough at 254. So we'll talk about these guys right now. But, um, yeah, some, some concerns with Dustin Mays' health and then some other guys that are going different directions right now. So what stands out to you?
2: Yeah, I mean the two guys that I like in this area are Sandy Alcant- uh, Al- Alcantara and uh, Ryan Yarbrough. I also like Josh James. I'm just not sure. You know, he's never really been good. Like the strikeout rate has been really, really nice, obviously. And but he was also pitching in relief when he did that. Not that I wouldn't expect him to have a really good strikeout rate, but he just gets. I mean, he had a one five one five home run per nine. You know, in 61 relief innings, you know, again the strikeouts were really, really good, but the ERA and the WHIP were were not great. He's worth the stab at that particular, um, you know, at this particular place in the draft if that's kind of what you're looking for, some you know, strikeout upside. But I do worry about the impact on the ratios. But Alcantara is probably my favorite in this group, and he throws really hard, so he's already good at limiting contact. But um, last year in September, he started throwing his sinker more and he's got like, he's got an elite sinker. Like it just, it generates a a crap ton of ground balls um, and just really poor contact. And so, and he's also, um, he also did a much better job of getting pitches in the zone. And so I'm not sure exactly what the adjustment was, but his walk rate has always been a major issue. And he really seemed to rectify that. The strikeout rate isn't going to be high because of that sinker. He gives up a decent amount of contact, but I do think that there's the ability for him to improve because that changeup has been a wipeout pitch for him in the bullpen. And so I think it's just a matter of you know getting that to work on a more consistent basis in the rotation. But I really like him as a guy who will help out your ERA, um, won't necessarily hurt your WHIP, but will give you a ton of volume. So. I think he's a guy who can throw 200 innings. You know, he may only get you 160 strikeouts, but 160 strikeouts ain't so bad, um, and, and I think he could take a big step forward. I also like Yarborough. He made an adjustment last year when he came back, You know, started throwing his fastball less and his cutter more. The cutter and the fastball have similar like plate discipline metrics from a pitch-specific perspective, but batters really struggle making good contact with the cutter And so that's been a huge, huge um, boon for him because uh, the changeup and his slider are really good pitches. Um, And so he was really good. He was really good at limiting contact, at keeping hitters off balance. And he also had a really high CSW. So his swinging strike rate isn't like way up there. Like I think it's like 10 to 11%, but he is getting a lot of called strikes with the changeup and with the slider. And so he's a guy that's really interesting. The Rays obviously know what they're doing. You know, he may, you know, in in quality starts leagues, you may lose a couple outings because he follows an opener or something like that. But generally last year he was employed as a full-time starter. So really like him, John Gray's a guy I would love if he moved out of Colorado, but he's just (laughs) never been able to be good. You know, like he even last year, which was probably maybe his best year under the radar. Like he still wasn't really that usable and he's just as bad on the road as he is at home. And so it's just not a, not a situation that I'm chasing and then May is injured. He he still hasn't started throwing, I think. He's got some sort of side issue. We know that the Dodgers have plenty of options in that rotation. And so I'm staying staying clear of May. I'm not that into the profile from a fantasy perspective. Throws really hard, but, you know, he throws a lot of sinkers, doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. So, of these guys, I'd probably go Alcantara, Yarborough, James, uh Gray and then May. Uh, yeah, I
1: really like Dustin May coming into the season. But now with the injury, the reports he's going to start in AAA, which was good because he's going to be a starter and they'll bring him up as a starter. But now that he's hurt, it really screws things up. So it's hard to take a chance. And um, I'm in an OC the same one I took A.J. Puck in. I think I'm in around like 16 now or 17. And it's the farthest I've seen Dustin May fall. He's still falling right now. So, yeah, and certainly they're just not taking chances on him. So uh, yeah, May May that really stinks, John Gray. I just I've uh, said it on many shows. I never Coors when it comes to pitching. I just can't do it. Not going to happen. I don't care how good you are. He's actually got some of the better home road splits out of all Coors pitchers out there. Still not going to do it. So that's not happening. Uh, and then your Yarborough take I, I like a lot. I, I think he's he's been great, and he's supposed to actually him and Chirinos. All reports point to them actually being full time starters. None of this opener garbage. Mm-hmm this year which like really boosts that value like you're saying if, if that happens these guys are huge because they were so valuable last year but you know like say barf league they're useless because you don't get quality start title numbers things like that and it really really ruins their upside so a guy like yarborough had a 21 percent k rate last year um you know a seven percent barrel rate but 4.5 percent deserved barrel he really um got unlucky for the most part so there's a lot to like there with Yarbrough. I'm with you on the upside there. And then Josh James, I am a huge fan of, but this might be partly because I was a huge fan of him last year and I got burned because I drafted him like a day or two before he got injured and basically ruined that part of the season and never got a shot. But the stuff is absolutely legit. When you look at Josh James, we pick pull up his fangrass page. In 2019, a thir- almost 30, a 37.6% K rate in the, in the bigs. In 2018, 32% in the bigs. And then in the minors, it's been like 31, 35, 41, and then uh, mid-20s. The dude has elite strikeout stuff. His ratio has been very, very good in, in the bigs and in the minors. When it comes to, to X-FIPs and FIPs and even ERA, for the most part, have been really, really solid. And then uh, I know I keep referencing the pitch leaderboard, but as Toby is, you know, there's so much cool stuff on here. It's absolutely freaking amazing what he's done. But he's another one that should have like a three-one-eight ERA compared to what he ended up with last year which was really solid. His Will Bacon was 424, but his Exo Bacon 371. He had a lot of massive differences in his production levels that that, that were good. Uh, if you want a negative, I won't give all the positives. He only gave up 4.7% barrels, but a deserved barrel of 8.1. That's not ideal. But I'd love to see Josh James get in that rotation. I think he could have a lot of fun against some of the AO, uh, AO West. So I, I like him a lot, and then I agree with your Alcantara. If for anything, his second half was great. Heavy sinker usage is one of the best heavy sinkers in baseball, like you said. And the innings. Innings alone, I'm a big fan of that. Like, if, like The reason I love Josh James, massive strikeouts. If I can't get massive strikeouts, give me all the innings. Like that, That's one of the things because at least in innings, he's going to be able to accumulate. And that's one that's beautiful. 197 innings last year. Like you said, he could give us 200-plus innings, which is outstanding. And if he give you that many innings, he's going to be able to rack up 160-plus strikeouts. And we're still golden. Hopefully the ratios stay in play. And we're good to go. So, yeah, in this range, I'm a, J- a James guy, then Alcantara and Yarborough, but we're pretty much uh, on the same page on this group of guys. All right, round 18, you got Aaron Savale, Chris Archer, Garrett Richards, Mackenzie Gore, Dee Sclafani, Yanni Chirinos, and Dylan Cease. Quite the smorgasbord. What do you like here? For sure.
2: Yeah, this is an interesting group. I mean, the guy that I've been targeting the most is Chris Archer. I think we've gotten to the point now where, you know, his price is low enough that the upside in terms of strikeouts and, you know, again, like don't go in it expecting that he's going to be like, he's going to be terrific. But I think one change that he definitely made uh, end of last year was throwing the sinker a lot or like just totally fading the sinker um, towards the end of last year. And he did much, much better. Um, which I think is a really positive sign. He went with the four seam um, more, um, and, and the results were really good. So, yeah, he stopped throwing the sinker over his last 10 games. Fastball percentage went up to 51%. Slider was around 36%. Um, and he was just a much better um, pitcher. His K rate at the, uh, over that period of time was at 32% walk rate at eight, at right, right around 9%. So, you know, if you can put together that type of a K minus walk rate over, you know, uh, how uh, over 10 starts, like at this point in the draft, this is when hopefully you have enough of your ratios fortified, you know, with some of the earlier picks, like if you decide to go with two aces to start off with, where a guy like Archer can really help out a lot. So I'm, I've been going with a lot of Archer, although I find that he's also moving up. You know, I was getting him like around 280, 260, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Dylan Cease is definitely interesting. You know, he throws really hard. He's thrown really hard uh, this spring so far, um, which I think is always a good sign. He also, um, you know, Saris has talked about how one of his major issues is that he was cutting his fastball, uh, so it wasn't getting as much ride. That's something that he worked on in the offseason. And so it'll be really interesting to see – you know, how he performs yeah, this spring, um, that definitely is reason for optimism. You know, It's always a little nerve-wracking to me get going after a guy who is probably going to walk a ton of folks, but there's definitely upside in just the pedigree, the fastball, um, and I think it's a cha- his change-up, uh, which is really good. Um, outside of those two guys, I mean, I'm not in on Aaron Savale. I know that a lot of people are super into him. He just doesn't – He just too much contact for me. Um, I know people, you know, the people that I've talked to about it, like the fact that he doesn't doesn't walk a lot of guys, but he actually got pretty lucky. Um, well, I think there's a couple things working for him. Like he didn't throw a ton of pitches inside the zone. So it was a little bit w- lucky on the walk rate, but it's also when he does throw the ball in the zone, uh, hitters tend to make a ton of contact. And so I don't think the K's are going to be there. I think there's going to be uh, too many K's for him to be successful. So I'm not in I'm not I'm not I'm not buying the, the hype on him a little bit. Richards is just too many injuries. Like if I'm going to go for a guy at this particular spot, like why not go Archer? Um, I think that's kind of, you know, I I think I'd rather go with Archer than I would with Richards because I think you're looking at a pretty similar profile if he's successful. But again, people are going for upside there. Gore, you know, young guy. I wish I could tell you something that was helpful or interesting. Everybody really likes to, really loves him. I was listening to your conversation with James Anderson really didn't think that he would get a huge shot this year because of the depth in the Padres rotation. And while he really, really liked him, it sounded like he didn't think that he was quite there yet. You can correct me if I'm, if I'm um, remembering that incorrectly. And then Yanni Chirinos, he also gives up a ton of contact. The splitter is really nice. Um, You know, he's, he's, he's fine, but he doesn't excite me that much. And then injuries have also been kind of a concern for him the last couple years. And Desclafani, I know a lot of smart people like him as well. He just doesn't have the K rate for me. Like he just gives up a lot of contact. You know, he's in um, a great American uh, small park. Um, So I'm not as interested in him, although I think he did have an increase in velocity, you know, second half last year, but even though he increased velocity, the K rate was still below league average and the swinging strike rate was really low. So you know, just not that interested in those guys. I think there are other people going later on that I'll talk about, which is where it really where I'm trying to trying to target some starting pitching. Yeah,
1: we're a lot, we're on a lot of the same page on this one. This range, uh, I love Chris Archer, a big time fan of what he can bring to the table. What well, he did in the second half last year, and it really annoyed me for the fact that when, when people ask well, what changed, and he said, "Well, I started throwing that guy was with the Rays again." It's like, why did you change in the first place? But I guess that goes to show you that the Pirate system was a disaster, just plain and simple, like just a complete joke of a situation. Um, only 120 innings last year. The last couple of years have been injury-prone, but prior to that, three straight 200-plus uh, innings, four straight 194-plus or plus innings pitched years, which is outstanding. He still has big-time strikeout stuff. Even when things aren't going great, he's striking a lot of guys out. So I do like Archer to keep you know rebounding and, b- and bouncing back. I like that call quite a bit from you. With Archer uh, Savali, it's weird because I'm not on him either for the same reasons I've never been on Shane Bieber. Like their profile, people are starting to compare him. Like, oh, he's the Indians' new Bieber. You know, little con, like light contact. You know, doesn't walk guys, pitches around the zone. Blah 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 blah. I just I, like Bieber at least strikes guys out. Savali doesn't even really do that very well. So um, I'll I'll be staying away from Savali in this range. I'd rather go to Archer. Torino's is interesting. I'd rather Yarbrough than Torino's, but. I don't mind Trinos. He's got some big time upside as well. Dees I can't get a feel for at all. I'm kind of with you. Like you said, some smart people like him. I just don't. It's Reds pitching. It's almost like a Coors pitcher in reality. Like at least Sonny Gray or Trevor Bauer, like you are, especially Luis Castillo, you've seen a pedigree. You've seen this, that, and the other. Dees had having one good run. Like give me some more before I buy into that. And then lastly, Dylan Cease. I saved him for last because he's kind of that. Really high upside guy, but he might make you pull the last of your hairs out. So it's a really, really tough one here because he's going to strike out a lot of guys, but there's going to be starts where he walks a ton. Like he's going to crush your whip a lot, but he also might lead your team in strikeouts. And if if he keeps the ball in the ballpark, that could be gravy too. He's just going to put himself in some sticky situations where he walks to like one or two, maybe three guys, and then gives up the big fly. And that's going to just destroy an outing. He's also going to have other out injury strikes out 10 in like six innings and gives up one run and looks great. So I like Cease a lot. It's just massive risk. So it depends on what your team's got going for if you can risk that uh, situation. So pretty much Archer's the only guy I want in this set of picks.
2: Yeah, and one, All right. one thing yeah. with Tescofani that I that I forgot to mention, one of the things I remember because I used to I think in 2018 seasons, I had him on a few teams. Is he really struggles against lefties? A 3.32 wOBA against against lefties. That slider, I think it is, is his best pitch, and um, he really doesn't have a pitch that can get lefties out, which I think is is really um, is challenging.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's not good in that ballpark at all, especially some of that uh, division there in the uh, NL Central. So not good. Uh, round 19, Michael Kopech who I don't even think is back for a few months, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, the trusty veteran. And then Ross Stripling, who at one time, Toby, we saw big things, big things in Anaheim, and now he's back in L.A. and we're hoping for big things. This is a range I'm probably just avoiding for the most part, but anything interests you?
2: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I'm kind of avoiding in this spot. Stripling, obviously, if he was with the Angels or another team as a starter would be really intriguing. You know, he's got a he's got a few pitches that are that are solid uh, change up in curveball um, in particular. So I really like him. But at this point in the draft, I'm not really targeting him because I think, you know, in a D.C., I think like a draft champions, draft and hold. He's got a little bit more value, even in a best ball format he's got a little bit more value because I think when he's in the rotation, he'll be really good with the Dodgers. But I just think he'll be a really tough in, you know, regular leagues because you're going to have to hold on to him. And then, you know, it's going to be really hard to figure out when exactly you need to put him in your lineup and when you don't. And so it seems like a little bit of a waste of a, of a roster spot in like an NFPC format where you don't, you know, where it's like seven benches and no IL slots. So I'm with you. I'm just kind of, just passing on this round.
1: Yeah, yeah Kopek, who knows what he's playing. Stripling, he's going to be a, a free agent pickup or just not rostered. Kai Cole is the only one I would give a slight edge to, but he's a lot of contact, no strikeouts. Will be on a better team. Will be there to eat up innings, but still not that I really want there. So passing on that situation, heading to round 20 now, we got Brendan McKay, who's intriguing. Steven Matz, who I seem to be finding myself having more and more of, which I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Uh, Johnny Cueto intrigues me a lot. Yeah, Michael Pineda, who's going to be out for a few months to start the season. And Ronaldo Lopez, who some of us just can't quit. So this is a, a very, very tilting region, but I seem to find myself here a lot. What do you like?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, I'm not as into this. I mean, Brendan McKay really struggled last year. I don't doubt that he'll be successful in the longer term as a pitcher because it sounds like, you know, he's 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 good, but he doesn't currently have a spot in the rotation. So I'm just not really um, interested in that. Matts is fine, but again, like I think we've kind of seen who he is. And barring some sort of major adjustment, um, it's kind of boring at this point. I mean, you know, 154 innings, 3.97 with a 1-2-5 WHIP, about a strikeout per inning. You know, 4.21, 134, about a strikeout per inning. So it's just kind of mediocre, and I think he gives up too much contact. You know, he's never struck out really that much more than league average um so uh, I just don't see the upside that I see in some other arms here so I'm not as interested in him you know Cueto again it's more there are other arms going around here that I'm interested in Pineda like since I play in mostly NFBC it's just really hard to you know just kind of have him on your bench just hanging out there uh for a while until he comes back he's obviously really um really interesting and somebody in your league will do that but I just I don't think he's good, good enough to merit that. And then I think Reynaldo Lopez, like I was really into Reynaldo last year. He obviously had the velo spike last year, but even with that velo spike, it wasn't like, you know, he went from being like the league's worst pitcher to, you know, a little bit worse than league average. Um, he still hasn't shown that he can be consistent with, you know, his off-speed and breaking pitches. Like he just can't get there where they take that jump, even with the velo bump you know, the swinging strike rate on them just couldn't surpass, uh, you know, 15% on either one of them. So, you know, I have a couple shares of him just so that I don't totally miss out if he hits. And that's certainly a possibility for him. But generally speaking, you know, it's just uh, there's too much there's too much risk there. And he hasn't shown enough reward uh, to his owners over the years. Yeah, Ronaldo
1: Lopez got everybody excited towards the last season. Velocity up, started limiting the home runs. That was glorious. But, man, does he love to get the long ball. It is unbelievable what he can do in that situation. So, he's tough. I think this year I have zero so far, and I'm very proud of myself for that. So, I'm hoping to finish the draft hmm. season that way because he was a drug. I just couldn't quit for the longest time. But uh, Ronaldo, I'm off of. Cueto, I, I would love. I just don't know how many innings he's going to go. I'd rather have Samarja a couple rounds later if I'm going that route with the Giants. Um, McKay's, you know, pedigree in the minors is great. Has not none in the bigs, like you said. The only guy that I seem to find myself on a lot is Matt's Heavy ground ball guy, heavy sinker. Like you said, about a strikeout per inning. Nothing flashy, not a lot else there. It's only in situations where I'm kind of behind on starting pitching. If I have enough and I know I can wait for some more rounds, I'm there. Otherwise, I'll grab Matt's as just kind of that – guy that I I don't feel is going to completely destroy me, but he's probably not going to help me situation. I'll probably stream him more than start him all the time. Like I'm going to steal DVR's thing. I've heard it like three times in his last three shows. I think it's a genius phrase. Crockpot guys. You have Crockpot guys in your lineup, like the top four guys or whatever you have. You just set them and forget them. He's not a Crockpot guy. So Matts is definitely a a kind of situational piece. And uh, he'll have his moments there in City Field where he can kind of enjoy that ballpark but yeah I'm with you like nothing real great here but I do find myself on Mats because he's not one of those guys that for the most part is going to make or break you I think he's got more upside we haven't seen yet because he's always gets hurt at least once a year if he could just stay healthy maybe we'd see it and then again maybe I'll end up dropping him sometimes this year but Matt's is a guy I find myself on round 21 Miles Mikolas not for me Kevin Gossman, Dakota Hudson. Gossman's the only guy I would look at, but other than that, not much here. What about
2: you? Yeah, I mean, I loved Mikolas earlier, you know, because I think yeah. he rectified things in the second half last year. He was, he was not the pitcher that he was in 2018, which I don't think we could expect because, you know, he always gave up a lot of contact, and with the ball being a little bit bouncier, you know, he was, he was a little bit doomed, but he definitely was much better. It's kind of, he kind of reminded me of, like, a later, later round Kyle Hendricks. Um, but with maybe a little bit more volume uh, than Hendricks, he pitches more innings. He can go later. You know, he's got a little bit more of a diverse arsenal, but the arm injury is a little bit concerning. Although the one thing I would say is that there may be a buying opportunity there because, you know, I remember afterwards he was saying that, um, you know, that, that he, they really, he really, I can't remember how he framed it, but essentially like that he had missed the big one. Like essentially there wasn't any ligament damage, um, everything looked uh, clean from the MRI that he got, and so he will be back. It sounds like, but you know, maybe just a little bit of a delay. And so, um, yeah, it looks like he actually has a throwing date set. Uh, I'm seeing right here, so he's going to begin throwing on March 11th. So, which is three weeks after uh, he received the PRP injection. Um, you know, so uh, early May is likely a more realistic time frame for his return. So. He could be a guy like if he isn't drafted in your league that you may want to just kind of hover on that waiver wire and pick him up a week or two early, because I do think that he could be uh, really valuable. Um, You know, he's not going to get you a ton of Ks, but the whip is going to be really good. I think the ERA will be reasonable as well. I agree on Gaussman. I mean, like, I think he's worth a stab here. He was really good from a swinging strike rate perspective last year, although he did spend a good amount of time in the bullpen when he was with the Reds. Um, you know he's still a splitter fastball guy, and so I don't see anything drastically changing. But he is in a much better ballpark with the Giants. I know the Giants are also pretty analytically oriented, based on what I've been hearing from some of their pitchers. You know, with uh, with Gabe Kapler there, and with um, uh, Farhan uh, Zahidi um, there as well. Um, you know, they're both uh, they're both analytically inclined, and so I would not be surprised if he took at least half a step forward. And then Hudson, I think he's kind of like the guy that was good last year that everybody knows is going to be bad this year. The one thing I'll say about Hudson is he does generate a crap ton of ground balls uh, with uh, that uh, sinker that he has. And so and he's got a really good infield. And so that plays really well um, for him. Let's see. Yeah, he was at a 57% ground ball rate last year, only 21.3% by ball rate. And again, like a very good infield defense, the best in the game with the Cardinals. And so that may be one of the reasons why he was able to be much better than anticipated, but still, I mean, a one 4 one whip, he walked a crap ton of guys as well. So I'm off of him, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I had uh, Eric Somolski on the other day and he's doing a lot of work with the new um, outs above average improvements on baseball savant and they've added pitchers and everything. I think he said Dakota Hudson was the biggest um, benefactor to outs above average because of that defense, like you said. So if there's any tweak to that defense or he struggles at any slight angle, that thing could blow up in a hurry. So that's um, that's real terrifying uh, to to uh, see what he could do. Like, you started at 1-4-1 one, one whip. What if some of those ground balls get through and everything? That could really make things quite interesting. So I'll be off with Dakota Hudson. Kevin Gossman, I love. I've said it on this show and others. I wish I wish the Giants would have kept him in the bullpen and be like a closer or something. But they're going to put him in the, in the rotation. Yes, they are much more analytically uh, inclined now with Kapler, which is fun to see. Uh, Gassman made great straight, strides last year. So I, I don't mind taking a stab on him. I think there's a ton of upside uh, with Gossman this year. And at that pick could be very, very solid. So I, I could see having him, a few shares of him Later in drafts, when you look at his uh, draft price right now over the last two weeks of NFPC online, he's going around pick 303. He's gone as high as pick 233. So people that want him are going to get him. Just throwing that out there to everybody. Keep that in mind. All right, round 22. Two old lefties, Cole Hamels and Jose Quintana. Forrest Whitley, who, kn- who knows when he comes into the bigs. You got Alex Wood. Hey, he went to drive line. And then you got Josh Lindblom, who is sneaky, enticing. So uh, what do you like in this range?
2: Yeah, we're getting close to the range that I really like. Um, So I love Alex Wood right here. Uh, I've drafted him at pick 280, I think, in TGFBI. You know, he was great with the Dodgers. You know, he was good when he was pitching. There's obviously injury um, concerns, but when he pitched – um, he was very, very uh, good. You know, a 368 ERA, 121 one whip in 2018, 272 ERA, 106 oh, whip in 2017, 373 three ERA with a 126 whip in 2016 with the Dodgers. So when Alex Wood pitches and he's healthy, um, he is really good. And his velocity was at 92.93 in his first outing in spring training. That is two to three miles per hour above where he pitched. At last year, which I think is huge, it's back at, at what he was pitching in 2017 when he had the 2.72 ERA and the 106 WHIP. Um, so I really love Alex Wood right here. He's going to be a guy that I am targeting in drafts because you know he's a Dodgers pitcher. He's going to be in that rotation, and I think there's some some signs pointing to him uh, having a little bounce back with that velo. Loved Cole Hamills before he got injured, but he still hasn't even started uh throwing he's older the injuries are starting to mount i think i'm out on him unfortunately i have him in a dynasty league so uh that's a little bit of a bummer i wish i would have traded him uh before he got injured but don't we always feel that way <laughs> Quintana, to me is just blah you know the fastball's been decreasing in ball vol- uh, in, in um in velocity as a result it's being hit more he doesn't have any outstanding secondary pitches. And that's one thing I'll mention. Like I'm, I'm focusing a lot on pitches because I think in a lot of these instances, like the guys that you'll see make the big jumps are guys who get a velo bump um, or who have some sort of pitch mix change at this point in time. And so that's why I'm really focused on that. And guys who don't have any outstanding secondary pitches, if they don't get a velo bump, it's just really hard to see them take that next step. Whitley could be a guy who like, Really struggled last year. Was on everybody's radar. Is off of the radar, and he could have an opportunity later this year. I could very much see that happening. So I'm not drafting him, but I think people should definitely keep an eye on how he's doing in the majors, in the minors. And if he's dominating down there, I would definitely pick him up a few weeks uh, before. Maybe you might anticipate him getting called up because you know it was just last year he was the top pitching prospect in the game. And then Lindblom, it's really hard for me to know exactly what to expect. Obviously. Um, coming over from, I can't remember, was it Korea that he came over from? Yeah, the, K- the KBO. Yeah. yeah, he came from over from the KBO. I mean, I've heard good things that he should be like a pretty average pitcher. The, the fastball Velo's pretty good, but um, I haven't really been paying attention much to him, so I don't really have anything to add there. I don't know if you've been tracking him at all. I, I do like Lim I've been snagging
1: him late and drafts Velo's up uh, with the fastball. He pitched 194 innings last year at the KBO. Back-to-back years of sub three eras, two five zero ERA last year, which I thought was outstanding. About a strikeout per inning over there was really good. I know their offense is not the major league baseball offense, but even if you're drafting him and he gives you a three five zero and still strikes out one per nine, I'm pumped on that. Uh, we've seen good things happen from certain pitchers coming back from KBO. Not all anything's possible, but I do like what we what you can get from him at this point in the draft. I think it is a of value for the price point you're getting. For people that like Jordan Lyles or like Mikolas, this guy seems like he's just he's made that that same ilk that you can uh, definitely get something at. He's going to pick 326, as high as 279. So Limbaum is a guy I, I could get by. We have a listener question on him later, but uh, he's definitely a guy I have circled later in the drafts. Alex Wood, I'm intrigued by. He's going to pick 323. Very, very intrigued by him. If he keeps his velo up, uh, I will like it. He does have injury concerns all the time, and there's also dodgeritis, so something to keep in mind. But I do like what we've seen so far from Wood. Uh, those are the two I like in this round. No Cole Hamels for me. No Jose Quintana for me. I agree with everything you said on Forrest Whitley. He's going to be one of those big fab pickups. Uh, for NFEC. it stinks because, you know, he can make a start, and then we have to go pick him up. Uh, with, that's like one of the few rules that really – you know, ruffles my feathers. But I know it's the same for everybody. So we play by the same rules. But I wish you could pick guys up ahead of time. But um, that but at the same time, I like that because then everyone's on the same playing field bidding on him. So it's kind of a catch-22. But uh, he'll be a fun one to pick up when he's available because he is darn good, like you said. But for me, uh, Lindblom is a guy I am circling at this point in the draft. Like, the last few rounds are guys I like. Lindblom I'm circling to try to add to the roster uh, later on in round 22 or so. Get some good value with them at that point.
0: Yeah, okay, one, thing, one thing on
2: yeah. one thing on Wood is he is surging up boards as well. Over the last oh, yeah. week, his ADP is three hundred five, oh, so three hundred eight with a min of two hundred eighty. Yeah, so, two hundred eighty.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. He's going. He's starting to go quick because everybody. That's what's crazy is everybody's so on it now. It's like everybody knows the fastball velo's up, right? Like, mm-hmm. and once everybody sees that, they're like Dodgers pitcher fastball velo up. Let's do it. People are smart.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not too bad, these people, these days. Um, I'm going to split up round 22. We're starting to get to uh, around 23. We're starting to get to the point of the outline, folks, where we have uh, lots of people named because it just kind of gets flustered down here at the bottom of the ADP. So we're going to split up round 23 here. The first half, Samarja, Kyle Gibson, Julio Tayron, Nate Pearson, J.A. Happ, Nate Ivaldi. I'm pretty sure
2: we're getting closer to your guys now, Toby. So uh, who do you like? Oh, oh hell yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, in this group, in this group, uh, the guy that I'm targeting the most is J.A. Happ. Um, spring training, his velocity is up 92. He was sitting 92-93 um, in his first outing. I think I might have been down a little bit in his second. But if you even go back to the end of last year, his velo was up uh, slightly. Uh, he had a 13.2% swinging strike rate over his last five games. Um, he had about a uh, 18% K minus walk rate. He is going to be pitching for the Yankees. He's going to get plenty of run support. He will get you some W's. I don't think he's going to be crazy good, but it was just two years ago that he was pretty good. Um, and so I think uh left-handed, left-handed pitcher, nice fastball, uh, I think you could get a 4 ERA like a 125 whip from him with a bunch of wins cuz he's on the Yankees. Uh sign me up uh for that or just at least to take a shot on that. And the, then the other guys on this group, I mean Eo Valdes, Velo is also up and so that's at least interesting. He's been jo- dominating in spring training. I'm not a huge believer in him because he's never had that secondary pitch that really gets him to elite status, but if he's sitting like 97 to 99, like he, uh, like he has been so far in spring training. I think he was 95 last year. Then that's certainly worth taking a gamble on. And then Kyle Gibson is a guy I've been in on for a number of different years. I think the thing is you just got to expect that you're going to get the Kyle Gibson uh, that we've all come to know and love, which is like a 4.25 ERA and like a one three whip with a decent amount of K's. He has the, he has the repertoire. He's in a lot of ways. He's like Joe Musgrove in that way. He's got a really nice, change up really nice slider, right, really nice curveball. The fastball sucks and it gets uh, he has trouble you know, um I don't know whether it's locating it, but his zone rate on all those pitches is pretty low. And so when he gets behind in counts, he has to throw that fastball and he gets absolutely destroyed. The Rangers have done some pretty spectacular things recently with some pitchers. And so I'm really intrigued to see what they do with him. Um so I'd go JA Happ Kyle Gibson here, not really interested in Samarja or Teheran. Uh, Pearson is obviously super interesting. He's looked really good in spring. He throws really hard, but the plan is not for them to really push him this year. He's a guy for next year, so uh, I'm not really going after him. And then Eovaldi, you know, monitor him, see if he can stay, see if he can be consistent during the spring. He's worth a gamble as well at that VLO.
1: Yeah, I wish Pearson was coming up this year because he's so lights out good. But it makes no sense for the Jays to rush him up either. It's kind of one of those catch 22s with him. If, if things change, and we hear he's going to get a good shot at some uh, innings. Yeah, he, he'd be worth a snag. No Teheron for me. I know he's an innings eater, and people talk about all that good stuff. And I, I just can't do it. I do like Kyle Gibson, but I've always been a Kyle Gibson guy, and that's just always scary. But uh, you know, four eight four ERA, three eight xFIP last year. Year before, three six two ERA, three nine one xFIP. At a K per inning, he, gets, he can eat up innings for you. All things that point to stuff I like. So Kyle Gibson going to Texas, controlled environment. We saw what they did with uh, Lance Lynn. Maybe we can see it with Gibson. I, I'm good with uh, rolling those dice there at this point in the draft. Uh, Samarja, I get it. If you want to go Samarja, fine. Just realize last year is probably the best outcome you're going to get. If he can give you that again, outstanding. It's going to be a little riskier. I'd rather have Gibson and Samarja. But the options are there. I don't disagree with Happy. Like you said, best, a couple, like a year or so ago, it was the every conversation was, look how consistent he is every year. He's this great guy that does this, that, and the other. He had a bad year last year. There's no hiding that. And, you know, he faces a division that uh, no Mookie bets anymore, which is nice. But a lot of powerful righties with the Jays and even, you know, Mancini and a couple of the Orioles and some of the Rays, Red Sox. There's a lot of powerful righties. There was still a very good pitcher of Jay Happ. So, if his velocity stays up, like you said, not the worst thing. And then Nate Eovaldi, I am a fan of. Uh, I know he hasn't been consistent in his career doing this. We haven't seen him use a bunch of pitches. That's why he was really good in the back end of the bullpen. But the Red Sox really need him to start. They paid him to start. So they're going to see him start. But if that velocity can stay up, he's going to get a ton of strikeouts. He's going to have some starts, like a Dylan Cease type guy. He's not going to walk guys like Cease for the most part, even though last year had a 4.66 walk rate for uh, – per nine highest of his career usually not a massive walk guy but a big time strikeout guy that um could eat up some innings for them maybe get you about 140 150 innings this year I don't mind him at this point in the draft for uh if you need strikeouts on your roster just know there's going to be some starts where he messes with your ratios but the strikeouts could definitely be there and I like what I'm seeing in spring so far this spring anything can change but I do like him so Kyle Gibson's my guy here but Evaldi. And uh, and Haps Samarja kind of would be the other ones to look at for me, okay. For the rest around 23, Alex Reyes, who they're stretching out, they're not stretching out, who knows what's going on there. Uh, Chris Bassett, Pablo Lopez, Rick Porcello, and Jordan Montgomery, who stands out to you here?
2: Yeah, this is kind of a group. I, I think I might have like one share out of all my shares uh, of pitchers out of this group. Um, so I'm not super interested in it. You know, Reyes is probably – are they stretching him out to be a starter? I feel like he's a bullpen guy right now. He
1: should be a bullpen guy, but, like, they, some reports they say they're stretching him out, but other times they're not. Like, it's so confusing.
2: Yeah, I and mean, he just has not been able to be healthy, so I'm not really going to go with him. Bassett was interesting last year. Like, he has a really nice curveball. He had, you know, some spurts of being good, but when all was said and done, it was nothing really – that special. I don't even think he's got a, a spot in the rotation right now because you have Fires, Manaya, Montas, Lizardo, and Puck in that rotation right now. So he'll probably be the guy that spells them there. But it's hard to invest a draft pick in a guy that's essentially going to have like a Ross Stripling role, but not nearly as good as Ross Stripling. Pablo Lopez has shown some flashes, but um, you know he just like he hasn't. Whether it's consistency or you know, whatever it's been, like, it's just, it, it just hasn't been good. I think it's his changeup, which is, you know, his best pitch, but strikeout rates low. There's like nothing really to write home about. Yeah. 17.2% swinging strike on that changeup. You know, he gets a lot of chases on it, but the four seamer, like the fastballs are just junk, uh, Curveball's junk. So he's essentially like a one pitch guy. So not a lot of interest there. No interest whatsoever in Rick Porcello. Uh, Jordan Montgomery what's interesting to me is in my TGFBI Jordan Montgomery went ahead of Happ, which I thought was pretty interesting I mean Montgomery was de- I was definitely interested in Montgomery when he was first pitching uh, but like um, you know and he's like kind of like a throw the kitchen sink at you type guy but coming off of the injury like normally the last thing to come around is control uh, slash command and as a as a command type guy like That just worries the hell out of me, so I'm not really in on him. Things could go really wrong um, there, Uh, so not really interested. If if I'm interested in one guy here, it's probably none of them.
1: It's probably none of them. Like Jordan Montgomery, I don't mind taking a chance on getting a spot in that uh, Yankees rotation. The guy for me in this range, and I know it's going to make many people cringe, I find myself gravitating to Rick Porcello. And the the reason why is something I've said a few times. Innings, he's going to give you 172 plus every year since 2015. If you take a, um, actually, if you go all the way back to 2010, it's at 162 or more innings. Um, heck, since so 2018, 100 or 2009, 170, 100 CS, yes, 162 plus since 2009. That's pretty darn outstanding. The ratios can be suspect at times, outside of last year. You Know 428 ERA, 465, 315, 492. Those will get you, but um, a little less than a strikeout per nine. Not ideal either, but there's just a lot I-, I do like about him. And one big thing I like is he's leaving the AL East and he's going to the NL East with the Mets. I'm a big fan of that transition alone at this point in the draft. Uh, you're getting him at pick uh, 342. He's gone as high as 251 over the last couple of weeks. So it's something that that catches my fancy. It's it's not a, a a big time big time like lights out pickup, but at the same time, uh, I don't mind Porcello the slate if you just need someone to kind of stabilize your rotation. Like I've mentioned about a couple other guys earlier on.
2: Yeah. Hey, right. you, hey you guy, drafting Rick Porcello at two fifty. Please don't yes. do that. Yeah, see, please I wouldn't do that. The last that time, be me. the last time Rick Porcello had any pitch of his five pitches. With above a twelve percent swinging strike rate, was twenty
1: seventeen. Oh, so a couple of years ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't draft him around two fifty. Yeah, he'd yeah, have, to, he'd have totally. to be down here in the three forty after range. That's when I start giving him a look. But uh, yeah, there's other guys coming up that uh, it might be a little more intriguing. Oh so hell was- yeah. So yeah, this this is Toby's wheelhouse, guys. When you go pocket aces, we are we are in that.
2: the wheelhouse, ladies and gentlemen.
1: And this is going to be ugly because round twenty four has about twenty names in it. So we're going to split this up into like five packs or so and see how far it goes. Oh, and so man. your fir- your first five pack: Marco Gonzalez, Freddy. Mike Fires, Freddie Peralta, Justice Sheffield, Anibal Sanchez.
2: All right. Freddie Peralta. Let's talk about Freddie Peralta. <laughs> Let's talk Freddie. Um, I got my first share of Freddie Peralta. Um, Thrown because mid-season. of the
1: velo, or because you like
2: because it? of the velo and because of the additional pitch. <laughs> there you go. I mean, this is we're talking about this year's Frankie Montas, right? Aren't we? Bold cotton. Bold. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't like know. I don't, know if, I don't you. know if we're talking about this year's Frankie Montas. But I will say this: his velo him. is up about two miles per hour. He's pitching in the mid nineties. Um, here, he already had a dominant fastball, even though the Velo wasn't like out of this world. Um, it's just a really nice fastball. He just didn't have anything else. He worked on, I think is, it's a slider, right? He worked on a slider, um, in the Dominican. That was just straight filth. Um, he's been filthy throughout the spring training. I know, I know it's spring training, it's spring training, but it's Velo bump. It's a new pitch. He's going right now, like around pick three thirty or so. I mean, it's free. It's a free ride on this year's uh, Frankie Montas right here with Freddie Peralta. I have not been in on him all off season. It is a new thing for me, but Freddie Peralta is a guy that I that I want and I love. I don't think the price is going to go up that much, except for if people listen to this podcast. Um, But uh, because he is in a battle for that. for that fifth uh, fifth rotation spot with uh, Eric Lauer. And the one thing that I'll say is that Peralta is a guy, I think, that can actually be useful, even if he's in the bullpen. Because last year was when he was in the bullpen, they would throw him, um, you know, they would throw him sometimes after an opener. They would throw him for like three innings at a time. I hope I'm not making this up. Please tell me I'm not making no, this up. Correct. Like you're two correct. innings at a time. Yeah, a couple of yep. fours in there as well. He's, he's just got straight gas. I mean, he does have the possibility of getting lit up. But if he does, if that slider does come to fruition, if that is a pitch that is even reasonably good, I think he could take a huge leap forward um, with the combination of that below and stuff. Justice Sheffield is interesting to me. I feel like he's a year or two away. But he's got a really nasty slider and a really nasty changeup. I mean, both of them are really nasty. They're off the charts. And that's something that I'm willing to bet on. And he goes a little bit later than a lot of guys do. Um, and he got unlucky last year. Um, Annabelle Sanchez is like kind of interesting just because he somehow manages to put it together every year and be decent, and he's on the Nationals. Uh, Marco Gonzalez is also interesting. He just doesn't strike dudes out, which is a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, he's not really going to hurt you. He's a decent whip guy. John Means' video is also up. It's at like ninety three, ninety four, so up like we a mile or two. What's up? What's that?
1: He's not on this five pack.
2: Oh, he's not. <laughs> you got I'm so ready. excited.
1: You got so excited. I'm ready, excited. Mama. I'm ready
2: to go. Don't draft Mike Fires. That's it. Oh, no, yes.
1: Don't draft Mike Fires. He draft might, Mike t- Fiers. He don't might Fiers. tell on you. I'm um, good to go. Mark Gonzalez, if he just struck out like two more guys a game, I'd be happy. That's, just, that's all I'm asking because his ratios are going to help your team out pretty good. But yeah, no strikeouts. Doesn't help you anywhere else. I uh, agree with Anibal Sanchez. He's intriguing. He's probably a good streaming option, not so much an everyday option. Maybe get him for early in the year if the matchups look good and then uh, drop him, that kind of thing. But I'm with you. Freddie Peralta is the guy in this five-pack range. I like the Frankie Montas comparison. That's a, a bit bold, but uh, I like the boldness to it. I, I don't dislike it at all. Massive strikeout stuff. Um, if he could get get that next pick, like you said, he pretty much nailed it all as usual. But um, I, I'm a big fan of Freddie Peralta. He said, it's just spring, but what he's doing is very, very hard to ignore. So I'm with you there on that five, Freddie being the main target in that one. Now we get to John Means, Jordan Lyles, Domingo Herman, Austin Voth, and Davey Garcia. And I know you like this range. So who do you
2: like? Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Um, so actually, there's like there's two there's one guy that stands out here for me that's austin Both. Yep, I absolutely <laughs> love Austin Both. i just drafted him in tgfbi as well man i was just i was like i was dying i've been dying the last few rounds my last seven picks in tgfbi have been pitchers. what round are you in uh i'm in round 25 um Holy and so <laughs> i went i got wade davis at 280, Alex Wood at like 283, J.A. Happ, Freddie Peralta, Tyler Beatty and, and Austin Voth just going my the loves of my life towards the end of this draft. Um, Voth, you know, the fastball's decent. It's been decent so far in spring training. It's right about where it was, if not maybe up a little bit um, from uh, last year. Again, like, you know, you do that, what you may, but he's also got three pitches that were above, were, that were really good last year: um, slider, changeup, curveball. I believe he's fighting for that fifth spot. I think he's going to win it. I think he's, I think he's, he's analytically inclined. He was really good last year. Like he's on the Nats. He's going to be the 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 if he was the fifth starter last year in. 43 innings, 330 ERA, 105 whip, 44 strikeouts, 12.6% swinging strike rate, 17.8% K minus walk. Uh, If you look at, I think, Alex's leaderboard, it's been a while since I looked at Voss specifically, but I think he also did really well in the expected K minus expected walk right there. Um, I had a tweet on this, but let's, let's just throw it out here. Uh, 20.9% swinging strike rate on his curveball, 16.7% on his cutter, 17% on his changeup, 384 swing on that curve, 47.1% O swing on that change, uh, 9.2% swinging strike rate on the four seam fastball. So I think he's got everything he needs to be successful, and I think he's going up against Joe Ross, who has been bad for uh, oh. time immemorial. Like, he's always been... Really, really bad. And so Austin Moff is a guy that I absolutely uh, adore. And I'm probably blowing it in all my leagues. Because if anybody's in my leagues and they listen to the <laughs> podcast, then I'm doomed. Uh, John Means is interesting only because his velo is at, is at 93, 94. And again, like we're going off of tweets of people. So who knows what's real or what's not. But these are the types of things that I'm looking for and monitoring as we, um, you know, in spring training, I'm really looking for velo bumps, you know, and, and new pitches. Um, Jordan Lyle's not really that interesting. I think he got pretty lucky on the Brewers last year when he was better. Um, this, the, you know, the curve balls are obviously good, but I think it's highly overrated. Like people talk about it, like it's the, it's the second coming or something like that. But when you look at the actual, um, you know, peripheral peripheral peripherals on it, Like, let's see, his curveball, yeah, his curveball had an 11.7% swinging strike rate last year. That's not even good. That's, like, probably bad. That is bad. Like, you know, he had no pitch that was 12% swinging strike rate or higher. You know, and so, again, like, the Rangers have done interesting things with pitchers that maybe had a little bit less than he did. Um, But I still just, I'm not a believer. I've never been a believer in Jordan Lyles. So all you Jordan Lyles believers out there, you know, I'm sorry. And then Davey Garcia, not really interested. I think Clark Schmidt is uh, the guy for the Yankees who would be in the rotation potentially out of the minors. From what I've heard from people I trust, uh, Davey Garcia is a relief pitcher.
1: What if I told you that Jordan Lyles' curveball is almost a 38% strikeout rate?
2: Yeah, but I don't know what that means, Baba. <laughs> yeah, I don't no, understand. I'm
1: and a fifty-four percent ground ball rate.
2: I mean, that, a ground ball rate is great. That's great. But the thing is, like, people quote the K percentage, and that's all. It's like that's all context dependent, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even, I don't even know how they calculate that. To be honest with you, but like that just mm-hmm. means that the guy struck out on that pitch, right? Well, yeah. it yeah. is. Well, Jordan Jordan's got
1: to that point? So, yeah,
2: yeah you, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to get to that point. And I'm sure, like I don't even have context of like what a good strikeout rate on a curveball is, yeah. Yeah. you know, like is is that, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just like it's just a matter of like if you're if you're if your curveball is only getting a swinging strike, and maybe it's got a high, it's probably has a high, you know, called strike rate, um, mm-hmm. but if it's only getting 11.7 percent swinging strike rate you know, on that pitch, that means that, like, there's no reason why in a two-strike count that pitch should have a higher swinging strike rate than it does in other counts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I got you. Um, yeah, and that's not to – I I probably was too harsh on that. That's not to be say that that does that's, like, a meaningless thing. I just don't really understand how to use that necessarily.
1: Well, yeah, because John Means curveball 17.4%, K, but you're like this, Austin Buff, 40%. No, I'm just kidding. 40%. So, uh, yeah, so there you Bob
2: go. For the win. You can't yeah, his cur-
1: yeah, Voss' curveball is better than Lyles. You got a 220 average against for Lyles. For Voss, you have a 182. Um, you know, just gets better and better, Minus, but only a 37% ground ball rate to 54 for Lyles, but still very, very good. Austin Voss is a very intriguing guy. You've, you sold me on him last year in fab time. So I've been on the Austin Voss train all along. Um, very, very good contact peripherals and strikeout rates and with the Nats and everything you said, I can't uh, do Austin Voth justice the way you did. I think he's going to be absolutely outstanding as a late starter there. If he can't beat out Ross, he doesn't deserve to be on your roster anyway. It's very simple to me. Uh, Ross is not that good. Uh, Domingo herman has gone for a couple months to start the year. Jordan Lyles. I don't mind Jordan Lyles. If you want to take a gamble on him uh, pitching in Texas, I I, I don't mind it. I'd rather have Austin Voth with you there. But I think Lyles is worth a, a shot in this range as an upside pitcher that they might tweak some more to fix in uh, in Texas. So I can go with that. And then David Garcia, I've heard the relief pitcher stuff, but man, his minors numbers are freaking outstanding. He threw uh, almost 120 innings last year, well over a K per nine in every stop of the way. hit had a 25, 37, and 45% strikeout rate in different stops in the minors last year. Very, very electric stuff. Triple A got hit around a little bit with that bouncing ball. Gave up some long balls. I'd love to see him get a shot in the rotation, but if he's not going to be that guy, then you definitely can't be drafting him. But he he intrigues me, I'll say that much. If he were to get, uh, if there were some birdies starting to talk about him starting, I'd be a big fan of that. All right, the next spot, Kwong Hen Kim of the Cardinals. I believe he got hurt today. Uh, Tyler Beatty. Well, I think he left the game. I don't know all the details. I saw Matt uh, Thompson wanting to break his twitter so that wasn't good uh tyler Beatty, merrill kelly jordan yamamoto and matt shoemaker this is one area that you really need to be sold on your convictions if you draft some guys here
2: yeah um yeah i actually saw people were very being very uh complimentary of kwon hyung kim um And so if he did get injured, um, I would definitely be interested in knowing that. All right. So folks can't tell, like, this is what I live for. So people, like, I joked around on Twitter, like, I believe in pocket aces. I believe in aces. I don't believe in pitchers. And one of the things that I love more than anything in the entire world is finding, like, gems. And that's not to say all these guys will be gems, but, like, finding bottom-of-the-barrel pitchers that got something. You know, and this is like the range of the draft where you find those guys. Um, Tyler Beattie, I love. I'm not the first on the Tyler Beattie fan train. You know, this year his velo is up. I read an article earlier this year about how he wanted to throw his secondary pitches more, um, which is huge because he's got a bunch of them. You know, he's got a changeup that has an 18.3% swinging strike rate and about a 40% O swing. He's got a curveball that has a 16.3% Swinging strike rate, much better than Jordan Lyles and a 30.5% O swing. He's got a cutter that has a 17.6% swinging strike rate and a 36% O swing. He's even got a slider, which he only threw 16 times, 12.5% swinging strike rate, 46.2% O swing. So the dude has the pitches. He's got three pitches with 15% or higher swinging strike rate. The velo is up to like 97, 98 right now, accordingly in spring training. Now that might be a misreading because he was at, he averaged 94.5 last year. But Velo up, secondaries more. That's absolutely what I want to see. Particularly um, in, uh, what's that part called now? AT&T, Pac Bell, Oracle. Oracle, Oracle, Oracle Park. park. Um, you know, so really love Beedy. I've been getting him a lot of different places. Um, Merrill, Merrill Kelly is also really interesting to me. I mean, I don't think he has um, access to the gig right now. Um, but he was a guy that I liked a lot because in September he was really good. his fastball velocity increased it was closer um to uh ninety three and um uh he pitched today i guess um i 'll be really interested to see what uh what he did and what fastball velo mostly ninety two uh ninety four um so that 's really good because he wants to be around ninety three he was really good. He had a 90% K minus walk rate in September. Um, he had a pitch mix change as well that I don't have in front of me, but I promise you, um, he definitely uh, did. Um, so I really like him if he can get a spot in that rotation. But man, it is a, it is a, it is a tight rotation. Oh yeah, here we go. So he threw his curveball more and his cutter more um, in September. 12% swinging strike rate. 24.6% K rate, a 3.1% walk rate. So actually a 21.5% K minus walk rate over his last five. Um, really nice looking there for uh, Merrill Kelly. But again, does he have opportunity? Um, I think is the big question there. Um, you know, those are kind of my guys from this range. Kwon Hyung Kim, I, I saw some video that looked really good. Looks like he has a really nice change up. I think it was some deception in delivery as well. Um, And he was like 90, 92, 91, 92. Um, And I think that's higher than what he pitched last year. So again, you know, it's just like one mile per hour. So who knows whether it's just because he's amped up or it's a shorter outing, all of that can play into it. But I think these are the things that you're kind of looking for. And then Shoemaker looked good. He's got that splitter, but health is just a major question. So was he in this group? Yes, he was. He was the last end of it. So he's interesting, but I think I'm targeting other guys in this particular spot.
1: Yeah, Kim missed his start today with a groin injury. So that's what it was. Who knows what that really is. We'll find out more later. Uh I love Tyler Beattie. Um apparently good thing we don't draft a lot together, because that would suck. Would but fight. uh yeah, we it would be a fight. It'd be a, a fisticuffs. But uh Tyler Beattie is, is is my boo. So uh he's uh-huh. he, he he better be quite productive because everywhere you read, everyone's talking about how good he's gonna be this year. So it's either really good or really scary. Can't quite figure that out yet, but I've always believed in it. We saw signs of it towards the end of last year. He did it in the minors. And, and when we saw signs of it last year, it when his pitch mix changed, like you said, Vila was up. He started working higher in the zone with the fastball. Slider was very effective. Like there, There's there's a lot to like with Tyler Beatty if he starts mixing it up just right. So, and he's even said he, he realizes he needed to change things, and he's going to work on that even more this year. So I'm a, I'm a big Tyler Beatty fan. Uh, Merrill Kelly, I just don't know how he's going to get the job, but uh, he was great at times for me last year uh, off the waiver wire, so I don't mind him. And then, you know, Yamamoto, Shoemaker, I'll probably pass. So it's pretty much just Tyler Beatty in this range for me. Next range down, Casey Mice. Probably not starting the year in the bigs. Spencer Turnbull is the rave all over the Twitterverse. The, these days, you got Zach Eflin, Eric Lauer, and Homer Bailey. Talk about a five pack, Toby. Who stands out to you?
2: And to Turnbull, um, yeah. I'm really bummed out. Nathan Dawkins uh, jumped uh, Turnbull's ADP by about 50 picks um, <laughs> in our FBI and got him. I was just sitting there waiting for him to come back, just waiting, waiting for um, Turnbull to get there. I really love what Turnbull's doing. Um, you know, towards the end of last year, he's another guy. So he faded his, um, he faded his slot, his sinker. Um, it was down 7.2% over his last five games to 13.3% of his pitches. He increased his four seam fastball five and a half percent to 49% of pitches. Four seam fastball is a 10.8% swinging strike rate and a 108 WRC plus. So slightly worse than that league average, but not terrible for a fastball. His sinker has a 5.6% swinging strike rate and a 175 WRC+. Plus, C plus. It's absolute garbage. He shouldn't be throwing it, but he's got a good four-seam fastball. Uh, his K rate over his last five games was 29.4%. Swinging strike rate, 12.3%. CSW, 28.4%, not that great. Um, he does have a little bit of control issues, but I think this stuff is there. He's got a really um, deep repertoire. I think he throws four or five pitches uh pretty consistently uh the the tigers are getting better at being i mean i think they're analytically oriented from their pitchers um but yeah i've been on tyler uh spencer turnbull since november uh really really like him wish i had more shares i wish i would have been on him more um he's also sitting 94 96 in his first outing of spring you know he averaged 94 last year uh so that's certainly intriguing um as well uh, whether it holds up or not, I'm not exactly sure. But I really love uh, Turnbull. Mize is not going to be a thing until um, the middle of the year, I don't think, and so I'm just not, uh, not, not going there. Uh, maybe in a DC if he if he slips. Zach Eflin, just not going there. Um, he just gets hit up a lot. Uh, I just don't think he's all that good. Eric Lauer is super interesting. So. Um, I actually should see I think he was pitching today if i'm if i 'm not incorrect. one really interesting thing about Eric Lauer, which i is the most random thing on the absolute on the face of the earth, but his velocity in his last two starts of last year, jumped up to ninety three point three and ninety three point one his last two starts, which is higher than it 's been at any point. Um, since uh, the middle of 2018, his swinging strike rate uh, during that time was uh, over those again. Super small sample. We're talking super small sample here. Was uh, fifth was 14 and a half and 15 and a percent. His K rate was like over 30 percent over those last two games. So what I'm super interested to see is whether that um, his K rate was 36 percent um over those last two games it might have even been the last three uh no over the last two um so again very very sm- super small sample but i just wonder if the brewers saw something there with the increased velocity um you know which is somewhat intriguing so like in a dc i'll get him really late or maybe you know as my 450th pick um so he's a guy that also interests me and then i think. Um, uh, Homer Bailey, like I think he, it's too bad he didn't re-sign with the A's. I think that stadium's perfect for him, but the splitter's really nasty. He started throwing it a bunch more. Um, you know, I think he's going to be like a four two five ERA, one two five one three whip guy with about a strikeout an inning. He's going to have terrible competition going in the AL Central. So I think he's definitely worth worth a late round flyer, but I wouldn't expect uh, the world from him. Uh, most certainly.
1: Yeah, Homer Bailey, I absolutely loved in Oakland. Streaming him all the time there, and it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. A little tougher in Minnesota, but, you know, he's going to have those weeks where he's facing Kansas City and Detroit where we're going to end up picking him up and, and two-stepping those and whatnot. So he'll have his moments this year, but probably not one worth drafting. Eric Lauer, just, I, don't know, I guess I have horror stories in my head from when he was with the Padres. He's getting shelled at times. Doesn't Doesn't strike out enough guys for me. Um, but his other stuff, his overall, you know, peripherals are very solid. So you're onto something there. It's Spencer Turnbull on this group, and that's about it. The velo up, like you said, he had some signs last year that were great, and he had other stars He just walked the world, like almost a nine percent walk rate, and he had summer just got really, really ugly. If he can h- horn harness, I can't use the right word now. Harness, harness. harness. God, it's getting late, folks. Harness the proper harnesses walks I think there's a lot to like there with Spencer Turnbull and uh, at this point in the draft you have really nothing to lose I think he could be a big big improvement for them this year can you imagine him and Matthew Boyd pitching well and maybe not getting traded and then Casey Mize and Matt Manning show up man they might have something to finish in fifth place in the central it'll be amazing so uh, Spencer Turnbull definitely in play there. All right, the next five pack. Uh, one Rich thing hit, on
2: yeah. one thing on Lauer. He did pitch yesterday, struck out five in two and a third inning. Wow. Uh, tweet here: Eric Lauer strikes out Votto, Aquino, Barnhart in consecutive at bats, and Jeff Cirillo down on the le- field level says he's hitting ninety five, ninety six on the radar gun. Wow. So Eric Lauer, don't don't forget about him.
1: Uh, I hope th- if that can continue, then yes, that's that's outstanding, no doubt about that. Uh, next group, Rich Hill, John Lester, Spencer Howard, Tristan McKenzie, Tyler Molley. So, two older lefties, two youngsters that people are pretty high on, but who knows? And then Tyler Molley. I'm going to tell you right away, probably skipping this whole group for me. What do you see here?
2: Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, so the one thing I'd say is Spencer Howard is interesting on the Phillies, throws hard, um, uh james anderson was very complimentary of him as a guy who can contribute this year if i remember correctly from um, his podcast with clay going over the al east prospects um so he's interesting hill is just like in nfbc he's too tough to to roster um but he could be good come june uh lester no thank you mckenzie not really molly is super interesting because he's not supposed to be in the rotation he shows up on a ton of really good lists. He shows up on CSW lists. He showed up on my CSW minus walk list. He shows up on uh, upper end of the velo list. Um, there's just a lot of good lists that Tyler Molly shows up on. I'm just not sure whether he has the opportunity to justify um, this. I haven't seen anything about how he's doing this spring either, just like from a velocity perspective. So I'm intrigued on Molly, but I don't have any shares just because other guys in this area that are also interesting um, also have, um, you know, a, 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 an access to the rotation. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, Spencer Howard, I'm with is he's about the only one I could look at, but 70 innings basically total last year in the minors. Who knows exactly how much he's going to contribute this year. His stuff's great, massive strikeout stuff. At all levels in the minors for the Phillies. So I, I see the appeal there. It's just a matter of how it'll actually play. And yeah, you look at Tyler Molly, I picked, like Paul pulled him up as you were talking. You know, a 388 Expo Bacon's not bad. Uh, barrel's 8.3%, but deserved barrel to 55 So there is some upside there, but yeah, who knows what his role is. That's the hard part with that whole situation. All right, the last round 24 grouping here Kyle Freeland, Sean Newcomb, Jake Arietta. Matt Manning, the other Detroit prospect, another tough one here. Toby, anything standing out to you?
2: Uh, I'm just going to pass.
1: Yes, I'm with you. Man- uh, Manning, yeah. is inter-
2: Manning is interesting, but he's middle of the hes middle of the season guy. And yep. from what I understand, a lot of people like him more than they like Mize.
1: Yes, I've heard that as well. Manning over Mize was quite surprising. But uh, it I don't know if it's because they think he's up first or what, but there's been a lot of that talk. There's a lot of area that could be back talk. I'll just let people figure that out on their own. Never never Kyle Freeland. So, yeah, I'm with you. We'll pass there. We'll go to round 25, and I'll put them all in one for you. Trevor Richards, Nick Pavetta. Are we buying back in? Ian Anderson, Jonathan Loisiga, Vinny V, UC, you Say, Kakuchi. And Drew Smiley, the last two on the list might be my two I'm most excited for.
2: Hell what do you yeah, like here?
1: <laughs> Let's Drew do it,
2: Smiley baby.
1: Yep, uh, in Oracle Drew, Park. Let's go. I,
2: I love Drew Smiley. Um, you know, I uh, I tweeted about him this off season as well. I should probably retweet these things out because I tweet them at like odd times of the year, and then they just get um. Lost, but um, let's see what what did I like about uh, Drew Smiley? Um, maybe I don't Everything. have it down for Drew. Don't you just love it when I search for my own old tweets uh, to figure figure out? So Drew Drew Smiley fastball velocity was up one miles per hour in the second half. He started throwing a cutter more, um, which had an eight point eight percent swinging strike rate, thirty one point six percent O swing. It did get hit uh, very hard, two hundred WRC plus. So but so did his fastball curveball also up though uh 15.8% swinging strike rate 35.7% o swing 89 wrc plus changeup he faded entirely it had a 154 wrc plus k minus walk rate over um his last 10 games this is all over his last 10 games uh was 17.1% very good csw 29.3% so slightly better than league average And uh, the swinging strike rate was at 12%. So, a lot of really good things there. Again, remember, like he was a very highly prized pitcher before his Tommy John surgery. He's now two years um, out of um, Tommy John surgery. He's pitching in a really nice environment, a very analytically oriented environment, which is something in one of the articles he said really intrigued him about going to the Giants. Um, And he obviously enjoyed uh, working with, uh, with, uh, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Kapler, um, Gabe Kapler, uh, because he re signed there. And then Kikuchi is also interesting. You know, there's been a lot of hype about his velocity, but it seems like it's actually the same velocity he had last spring training. But there were some interesting things he was doing uh, towards the end of last year that at least piqued my interest a little bit. Velasquez interested me at points last year, but he just doesn't have that he doesn't have a pitch to uh, that like out pitch to really go to the next level I don't think and i hated how i read about how he wanted to work lower in the zone uh that was just yeah, terrible year, okay. loisiga yeah loisiga you know a lot of upside but he's all over the place from a control perspective and he never pitches 5 innings um ian anderson you know uh i don't know how much run he's going to get and i don't think he's worth a stash uh, Pavetta like I'd, I'd much rather get him here than I would where he was going last year uh, you're welcome to everybody who faded him because I faded him last year I got to pat myself a little bit on the back for that one um, even though it, it barely uh, makes the miss on Shane Bieber feel better uh, and Trevor Richards is also interesting on the raise but again you know he's he's pitching in relief right now so uh, not as interesting, I think, as as uh, some other guys. So Smiley, for sure, kind of the top of the list for me. Kikuchi, just because I think of the pedigree coming over. And I think he's he's trying to get better, not that anybody else isn't. Um, and he did do some interesting things towards the end of last year.
1: Yeah, I'm all about Drew Smiley. When he went over to the Phillies last year, we saw much more. Over a K per nine, almost 10 Ks per nine, which was outstanding. Uh, ERA 445, fit 426. You're not expecting miracles there, but his ground ball rate right up to 40%, which is very solid. Gave up a lot of home runs, but again, he's in Philadelphia for a lot of that. So buyer beware there, um, and he's facing some tough matchups in the AL East. So I don't mind giving Smiley a shot at that point in the draft. Basically, one of the last guys off the board. Kikuchi's intriguing, not running to do it, but I see the upside. I've always been a Vinny V guy, but he walks too many guys, and, and he gives up a lot of hard contact. So he's terrifying. He's a streamable guy. That's about it. Trevor Richards is interesting to me. I know he's out of the bullpen. His stuff is is really, really good. If we start hearing rumblings of the Rays using an opener, I think Trevor Richards becomes very intriguing because I think he'd be the next kind of Yanni Chirino's uh, Yarborough of the group. So say Blake Snell's hurt, insert Trevor Richards. Something to keep in mind there with him because Snell, we'll see. It's kind of terrifying thinking of Snell's elbow issues already. He's going to start throwing here pretty soon after that quarter zone shot. But Richards could be that guy. So – Keep an eye on that. If it's not Brendan McKay, it could be Trevor Richards. And you can get him dirt cheap right now. So even if you want to take a late-round flyer on him to see if you can grab him and then drop him if for some reason everything's fine, that's always an option if point in the draft. So I don't hate that option at all. But, yeah, Smiley would be the one guy here if I had to pick just one. All right, we did it. Well over 100 pitchers. Well over in two episodes.
2: Baba. that was exciting. That was fun. Yes. We ended it with a bang, too. I just love – Drew some of those late those late round pitchers
1: yes and trust me when i was making that list yesterday i was like oh we are really gonna do this aren't we we are really yeah, doing this know. it was something else but uh the more important part we got some listener questions so let's hit them up uh eric samolsky at S- Samsky nyc would love to hear your thoughts on josh Lindblom. also in the spirit of older veterans who are your favorite old forgotten arms this season I kind of gave you my thoughts on Limblum already. I'm a big uh, fan of giving him a shot at his draft price, but uh, don't go reaching for him. But I think there is a lot to like there. Uh, Any other thoughts on Limblum?
2: Not really. I just don't know enough. You know, it's really hard for me. It's hard enough with prospects. It's even harder from, you know, guys who are coming over from other leagues, and I don't have a full grasp of that. So I just focus on, you know, like the Davenport, um, whatever they're called, uh, the Davenport uh, MLEs like major league equivalents. Um, a lot, I know a lot of uh, smart people I respect focus on those, but you know, there's obviously some upside and we've seen in the past guys come in, like Miles Mikolas and be successful after moving over. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Then when it comes to the veterans, like Chris Archer, uh, Drew Smiley, technically Kevin Gossman's kind of a veteran. Um, those would be the kind of main ones that jump off the top of my head that we've talked about that I'm on. Uh, what would be some of the veterans you'd be looking at?
2: Um, the, the old veterans, um, God, a lot of them are getting injured, right? Yeah, um, that's why it's
1: kind of hard now. Like, one time it looked great.
2: Right. Um, it depends on what you mean by an old veteran, but, like, I think we covered a bunch of guys. Like, Alex Wood is a guy who's been around for a while at this point. I think is really um, interesting Uh, Kyle Gibson you mentioned him J.A. Happ uh, is another example of kind of a boring veteran I think that can help out a lot Annabelle Sanchez like again he's not going to be great but he should be solid and he's on a really good team he's old and boring Um, Homer Bailey could be old and boring but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that you—that's actually a, a really interesting because I feel like um, that 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 group is really fading out. Like I would have said like a Cole mm-hmm. Hamels earlier, but he got injured. A Miles Mikolas, but he got injured. You know, I feel like a lot of those guys are just kind of fading. Uh, and I don't know whether it's just that you know they don't they can't bring the velo that some of the younger guys bring or whatnot. But um, you know, those are kind of the guys that I would say are are the older veterans that are in interest.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Rakesh Patel at Unicorn 500. He's just, he's a, this is a tough one for me because I don't follow this as well as you probably do, but can you talk about players or MLB teams that are making a concentrated effort to optimize pitch mix, maybe a player or two that you try to improve uh, a new pitch at the end of last season?
2: Oh, man, uh, that's a tough one. Um, uh, thank you, Rakesh. Rakesh is great. He's a frequent listener, uh, super – uh, thoughtful and nice guy on Twitter, um just some teams that like stand out. I mean like obviously people know about the Astros and their analytics. Yeah. um the Yankees I really like they picked up um I think his name's Matt Blake. he's the former like pitching coordinator for the Indians, um who I think a lot of people in the industry really, really respect. He's their new pitching coach, I think, um and so they're gonna be on the top edge, I mean Tampa Bay is on the cutting edge there as well. Um, Pittsburgh's improving. Pittsburgh is improving for sure. I think Minnesota has done some good things with the new regime that they have in place there. I know even the White Sox, like the White Sox, uh, Lucas Giolito was saying that they, like they have it historically, but they have like a whole new um, lab uh, that has like Rapsodo and Edutronic and all that jazz um, in it. So they're at least taking some steps forward. I know even Detroit, um, you know, over the last couple seasons has gotten on it on an analytics front. Um, Houston, obviously, we covered. Texas, I've heard people mention, is kind of like an underrated um, mm-hmm. organization when it comes to pitching. And we've kind of seen the fruits of that labor over the last couple of years. Seattle also has been really great at developing pitchers from everything I've read. Um,
1: you, know, uh, honestly, you know, honestly, I'd say in the next year or so, it'll probably be every team. Like, they're all going to be – like, we. I, I heard Arizona's getting better at it. They're I think all these teams are starting to realize that, okay, it wasn't just a nerdy thing at first. We all need to start doing it, and that's why you're seeing more and more of them do it. Like, I know the Giants will start doing it with Gabe Kapler there. Yeah. Like, that'll be a new one. Uh, I, I think you're going to see more and more teams doing it and being talked about more, especially with, you know, the Astros getting so much hubbub, and now they're getting – you know, the sign stealing thing after they got all the big pitching hubbub. I think everybody's gonna start doing it. That's just my two cents.
2: Definitely. Yeah, and don't forget the Reds. I mean, they have, oh, yeah, have the Drive Line. Like Kyle Bo Bodie from Drive Line. Um, you mentioned Pittsburgh and I agree. I think Dan Heron, um in Arizona is like the pitching coordinator or something like that, who's also really yeah. good. So I think it's like more organizations now than than uh, are, are more into it. I think it's just a question of have we seen results from them that they've been able to actually translate, you know, all that new technology and all that new data into actual benefits to their pitchers. And I think that's a smaller group of, of pitchers, at least that come to my mind right away.
1: And the thing I'd say for the new pitches or whatnot for Rakesh is follow, um, Oh, I'm totally blanking right now. Um, Follow Jason's uh, Fangraph's new pitch article that he keeps updating oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. W- with um, things because what they're working on right now, to me, is what will be better than what they finished with last year. Because if they finish with a strong, that means they'll keep developing it this spring or they'll work on a new pitch. So check out Zimmerman's uh, velocity and take it, check out Jason's uh, new pitches. And I think if you follow those two trends really well, A, you'll probably see a lot of similar teams on there and B, you'll see something that stands out that you can jump on now instead of waiting for it to develop in season. That would be my two cents. So, All right. The next question we have is Will Garofalo at W WGarofalo2, good follow, tell us how the Mets defense won't hinder Stroh's best season to date. Um, I said that's one of the biggest concerns when we discussed him at the start of the show that that defense is really, really sketchy besides not striking anybody out. A lot of balls in play. That defense is a little scary, but he did pitch very well for the couple months he was there. What's your thoughts on that big defense?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, you know, we should, uh, you know, before I say anything uh, ridiculous, let's let's actually see what we can do is using the splits leaderboard for fan graphs, we can actually see, like, on ground balls, what was his um uh what was his babip? Um so last year he had a 245 babip on ground balls which is you know two forty four the year before that two thirty one uh two twenty-four he was traded at the all-star break so let's see what what it was um, so it'll be August third and forward it was 176 on ground balls. So, he was actually better in terms of his BABIP on ground balls with the Mets defense behind him, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to say like that type of stuff. There's so much, you know, luck that's involved. It depends on the batter, it depends on the shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's not an ideal place for him, I think generally speaking. But, um, yeah, his BABIP was actually uh, let's see it was 337 after he moved over and for the full season it was three hundred three oh seven. so it may be more actually like you no know, i don't know it's a small sample size so it's really hard to to pull anything out of it i'm just talking out of my, my whatever <laughs> well, at it, this point in time so
1: it's it's tricky in that respect and um i'm going to try to find his uh I was going to try to find his outs above average, but I'm having trouble navigating that one right now on uh, StatCast. It's it's just tricky. Like you said, he did very well then, but it depends on the hitter you got. It depends on all those type of deals, which makes it uh, quite difficult to just narrow down to just one, I would say. But um, it's something to definitely keep an eye on. Like, it's not ideal to have such a uh, a bad, I guess, uh, defense. Behind, I was going to say you know, overall situation, but bad defense would probably be uh, not the best situation. So something to keep in mind for sure. But um, oh, here we go. I found it. It just took me a second. I got you. So if uh, StatCast loads here, I know this is great radio, but I'll give you a better idea of uh-huh. his uh, outs above average here. It just took me a second. He's 106th on outs above average. Uh, this is on the whole season, so I don't have the split. That's way too out of my pay grade on this one but he had zero outs above average. He's basically neutral uh, between his time with Toronto and the Mets combined. He was neutral. So it, like you said, he might've done better with New York and actually helped them overall. So something to keep an eye well, on. Okay, hey, we're going to earn that some fun right now. Let's just really go down a rabbit hole while I have this up. Let's just see for S's and giggles. What was Jacob DeGrom because he played for the Mets all year. He was three outs above average. He was ninth best in baseball. Let's look at Steven Matts, a different pitcher, not like Jacob DeGrom. And he was 192nd minus two outs. So, Strowman fits right in the middle. That's the best way I can say it out of those two pitchers. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. I'm just kind of pulling things out of my rear. But that's kind of how I look at the team.
2: Oh, it sounds good to me. <laughs> and, I mean, and the thing is, that's a fact of life. And the thing is, like, Strowman gives up a ton of contact. And that's why his whip is high. You know? He doesn't give up a ton of home runs, so his ERA is better, but. Like you're going to get a high whip from Marcus Stroman, uh, that's what the last three years of his pitching tells us.
1: And that takes us to SP Streamer and a guy right next to Steven Matson, that's above average, is Hernandez. So a couple of guys. Um, he asks with Patrick Samoval now likely in the Angels rotation, what round would you take a shot on him, assuming you like him the rest of us, like the rest of us? And also tell me, I'm not crazy for liking Eliecer Hernandez. Two things. Neither one of these guys are getting drafted in NFBC online drafts right now, which is kind of interesting. But um, I always like Sandoval. Big-time strikeout stuff. A lot of hard contact, but big strikeout stuff. I don't mind taking a shot on him in the last couple of rounds of the draft. But uh, no Elias or Hernandez for me, really. Uh, what's your thoughts on those two?
2: Um, yeah. Um, who was the first one again? Uh, James, Patrick Sandoval. Patrick Sandoval. Uh, the walk rate's way too high for me. I think he's 11.2%.
1: Eleven point two
2: percent. He's had it every single place that he's gone to, so that just like that just freaks me out. I mean, obviously the changeup is really really good, but you know he had a, an eleven point six percent walk rate in Triple A last year, ten point four in Double A the previous year, you know, and Single A ten point three. Like walks are just a they're an issue. He's he's Steamer projects him at ninety nine point nine percent and that the, that the strikeout rate actually isn't going to be uh, that high. It projects a 22% strikeout rate, I think, because in the minors he could fool guys a lot more. But, um, you know, he just doesn't have, like, you know, his four-seam fastball has a 5.7% swinging strike rate, 16.6% O swing, you know, a high end zone contact rate. His curveball is the same, low swinging strike rate, high end zone contact rate. He just relies on guys chasing outside the zone. Uh, It's just his changeup. That's like all he has. Like even his slider, you know, his fastball is at 87.4% in-zone contact, 92.9% in-zone contact on his curveball, 90% in-zone contact on his slider. So essentially he can't throw any of the pitches other than the changeup over the plate or else they're going to get hit. Um, So nothing for me to be interested in in Patrick Sandoval. Um, I'll probably look foolish later. Alicia hernandez was a guy who definitely interested me last year he started out really hot but his problem is he doesn't have any pitches that can get lefties out um he has a five seventy eight slugging against um uh lefties last year or slug- lefties had a five seventy eight slugging against him his slider's nice seventeen point seven percent swinging strike rate but nothing's get chases outside the zone which is super dangerous like his highest O swing on any pitch he has is twenty seven point seven percent, so he's just gonna get he's gonna get destroyed. He's gonna get rocked. Uh, the fastball is decent with a nine point one percent swinging strike rate, but um, again, like he gave up a three seventy two woba to lefties last year and um, uh, uh, five five sixty eight slugging to lefties. I mean, the OPS of lefties against him was nine hundred and nine <laughs> not so, good bob i just don't see that being starting pitching material
1: yeah his overall stuff looks great on chamberlain's leaderboard actually stood out to me as like wow maybe i should look at him more then he mentioned all the lefty stuff and it makes me put my computer away so that's uh where i'll stand on that one uh steve ross at steve ross bb how about in a 15 team league when do you start considering the starting pitchers you draft as potentially streamers unless they stick in the reserve rounds or before that? Definitely. Well, for me, the reserve rounds is, I'd say either towards the end of your, your nine pitcher level. Say if you take two relievers, you have seven starters. I'd say at least I'd try to get seven good starters that I can trust. If not at least five, like we talked about the crockpot guys from DVR. But uh, for streaming-wise, I'm trying not to, to have any streamers unless it's like some of my my last starting pitcher picks. What about you?
2: Um, yeah, uh, for me, I like to, when I draft, I like to get a, a ton of pitchers, generally speaking, um, you know, on my roster. So I'll have like maybe four, four or five of the reserve spots will be taken up with starting pitchers and then I think about half of those will be speculations on like closers you know or like if there's a committee i might go with like the highest skilled guy just to keep him a couple weeks to see what he's doing it just depends on like how the guy throws um, what his role is who the team is um, a, a lot of that I mean it's really got to be a case-by-case basis like if it's a guy like Beatty or Voth like if Voth doesn't get the fifth spot in the Nats rotation, um, then I probably am going to drop him towards the beginning of the season because, you know, not only does he have to be good when he pitches, but he also has to regain that spot. And I just need some spots that I'm going to be willing to churn. guy like Tyler Beattie, you know, if he's in that rotation, you know, I want to give him, I believe in him enough to give him a couple shots, you know, two or three starts, just to see where he's at, see where the velo is at, have a better sense of that, have a better sense of what the skills are. You know, like if, if uh, a good example would be like Lucas Giolito. If you drill, uh, drafted you Lucas Giolito last year, you probably dropped him after three starts because he got blown up. But if you look under the surface at the skills, the skills were actually really good. Like the swinging strike rate was up, the walks were down, the Ks were up. Everything was pointing in the in the right direction. So that's why I'm so hyper focused on skills so much of the time. Is I feel like outside of outcomes, we have to look at the skills to determine like is this guy is this guy like pitching well right now. And If they're pitching well, then I'll hang on to them for a little bit. Um, if they're not pitching well, then I, I'll be much more likely to um, cut the cord. But it also depends on who they're going up against, right? If they have played face the Yankees or the trash can, you know, banging Astros um, in their first game and they don't have a ton of K's, well, I'm going to like factor that in a little bit less, right? Than I would if it was another team. So I think you got to look at each player individually. You got to really be hyper focused on the skills to see if you know the even even if the production isn't there like are they actually pitching well are they getting guys to swing and miss how's their csw looking how is their walk rate how is their strikeout rate all of that stuff because over very small samples you know a home run here a home run there a home run with two guys on base versus a guy, versus a solo shot can make all the difference in how your season starts and so i just think i would focus on the skills to determine whether wh- whether somebody's really pitching well or not like how well are they pitching Outside of outcomes, and if both the skills are bad and the outcomes are bad, well, then I'm fine. Like turning them over and turning the roster spot.
1: All right. I hope you have a pen and paper for this one, Toby. Um, we're make, we're making a mean. list.
2: I don't believe in pens and paper.
1: <laughs> Steven C at bank timer underscore eighty one. He listed six guys, so I'm just going to say let's rank these six because we talked about them all. Hauser, Bundy, Torinos, James. Hudson, Plisak. I rated them James, Bundy, Hauser, Chirinos, Plisak, Hudson. How would you
2: rate those six? That sounds right to me. Um, I can actually scroll down to his question here just to make sure that I'm not missing any of them. So Bundy would definitely be at the top of my list. So I think that's the one difference that we would have. There, yeah. So I would go Bundy first. I'd probably go James for upside, uh, Hauser, Bundy, um, Dakota Hudson, I'm assuming he's talking about. So I'd probably yeah, go that, police, police sack Hudson.
1: Yeah, okay. So we're pretty close then. Pretty, yeah. pretty close. All right. Jake Hollisker asks, concerning drafting reserve round pitchers, two questions. What percentage do you aim to fill with starting pitchers? And do you focus more on upside or bankable? You kind of just mentioned that. And the percentage of your bench, I should say, you said you want five or so, five or six guys. So you hit that one already. Talked, four or five guys. Four or five. You already kind of talked about your upside. Yeah, I try to kind of go half and half on my bench. Maybe I'd probably go four of my seven guys. I don't know if I go five unless I'm really filling the need. And it's usually more upside-based guys because most of these guys towards the end of the draft – are riskier than most. So yeah, more upside for me for sure. What about you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree. Four or five. But the thing is, I think is, you know, that's at the draft. Uh, Most of the, in a lot of the drafts you're going to have a fab period on NFBC before the actual, um, uh, before the actual season starts, Um, you know, in some of them and some of them you won't, but in those particular cases, like I'll, I'll have like five pitchers on my bench and then probably one or two of them are speculative, speculative closers or speculative like fifth spot, you know, in the rotation type guys. And so those guys are guys that I'm likely to know kind of where they're at come the first fab period and move on from. What I want to make sure always is that I always have either through roster flexibility with multi-position eligibility guys or on my bench that I have one guy at every single position outside of catcher that I can plug in in case there's a mid, mid-week injury. Uh, I always want to try to be in a position like that, but it's not always possible, but, you know, like, um, I, I want to get to that point uh, where I feel pretty good about a, a bench guy at every single spot, you know, uh, on my team um, for each for each uh, roster spot.
1: All right. The last question is from Clint at PAC underscore rules 1978. Who are the best Sparps starting pitchers as relief pitchers for head-to-head leagues, especially late round ones?
2: Oh, that's what that meant.
1: Yes, I'm going to apologize to Clint and say I'll have a better list for you on the relief pitcher pod next week, and Mm. we will ask your question again unless you have some for him now, Toby. No, I think that that is a brilliant answer, Bubba. Because that's more based for that shows. I know you wanted it now, but... My head is so far in starting pitchers right now. I will have a pretty good idea for you next week. I apologize for that right now. But uh, I will save it, and we will ask it next week. I guarantee you that much. Yeah. So um, that wraps us up. We are done. Starting pitchers, the marathon is over. Not too bad, actually. Not too bad on this one. Wow. Fi- final thoughts, Toby, fun. as we've gone through between two episodes. I'd have to recount it, but probably close to
2: 125
1: starting pitchers.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of starting pitchers, but there's a lot of value to be mine there in those late starting pitcher guys. I just, I love that. Absolutely love that. There's going to be guys that hop up from there. They're going to hop up in today's day and age with the analytics of pitching with guys, you know, being able to really work on velo increases with guys being able to design pitches, you know, like there's more and more opportunity for guys to jump up. And part of The reason I like the two aces is because you get those two elite anchors to your staff, and you're much more likely to find value deep in the pitcher pool than you are deep in the hitting pool. And that doesn't mean that these guys are likely to jump up and be top 10 starters, right? Or even be elite. But I think when you work the back end of your rotation, well, using matchups, using not even two start weeks necessarily, but you know when when there's good ones because you can lose value on two start weeks pretty easily too. But when you can really grind that rotation and and identify some guys who are on hot streaks and monitor those skills, like I really think there's opportunity for some of these guys to be you know next year for us to look at them as like the next as the Max Freed or the Zach Gallon or you know those guys Frankie Montas, Freddie Peralta um who you're just kind (laughs) of like you um you know who have the chance after this year to take that next step into the elite echelon and who knows maybe one of them becomes that and if you already have the two aces then you just kick ass in pitching
1: yeah there's a lot to like a lot of different ways to approach it uh lots of gambles lots of quote-unquote safer plays that aren't so sexy tons of ways to look at starting pitching that's why it's kind of fun Getting both the uh, ideas here, and if you watch our drafts we've had, we kind of have our guys we like to target, as you can tell by the show, and some of them we share, some of them we don't, and that's the beauty of it all. But uh, don't forget to check out Toby on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. He'll keep posting the Raz Slam and TGFBI, and we'll recap those here in the next week or so depending on when they all wrap up. Uh, I am on Twitter at Bd Intric. but for now this was the starting pitching preview number two Round 15 on, we went about 85-plus pitchers, I counted there a second ago. Bum and the Bat Flip, episode 27. Catch you guys later.